This is 80s Revisited. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. And now, your host, Trey Harris. You really pissed me off. Okay, just hold it right there. I was hoping I wasn't going to have to do it this way. What the hell is that? It's a gun. What do you think it is? It's your finger. No, it's not. It's a gun. Yeah, let me see it. Get out of here. I'm not going to show you my gun. Now, look, I'm not going to hurt you. I just need you to come with me for a little while. And what are you, what are you doing? I'm going to beat you with a crowbar and then you go away. Whoa, wait. You, can, you can't do that. There are rules here? Oh, no, there are no rules here. You're a pacifist. Yep, but I'm not. Anyway, welcome back, everybody, to our, our second game of our doubleheader here on 80s Revisited as we talk about 1989's Field of Dreams. I, of course, am your coach. Giving you the signs from the dugout to stay on third and not try to steal home like Willie Mays Hayes, Trey Harris. With me as always, the loyal, uh, uh, what I'm thinking, uh, assistant coach, uh, uh, Lee, uh, franchise owner. There you go, Jesse Sedgley. Yes, I am. See, I mean, baseball. I mean, yeah, it's just it's, this is all this is all just baseball. You know what? Life's right. like baseball, like James Earl Jones says in here. Anyway, everybody, uh, of course, we're back this week. Talking about another baseball movie, the second time and probably the last time in podcast, in our podcast, and they usually visit, I should say, talking about baseball, most likely. Of course, never say never, like that talking pigeon in American Tale says. But yeah, Field of Dreams, rounding out our doubleheader here. Uh, you know, more of a horror movie than I remembered <laughs> watching it uh, this time, first time in a, in a long time. But uh, let's get right into it and let's get this show. Let's get, let's start the first inning because we got nine innings to go and. We all know how long that can take. So April 21st is when it opened. Now, that was kind of like a limited release, but that's kind of what we're going by for the release date. And it only opened in 22 theaters. Uh, so just keep that in mind. But so April 21st is the official opening date, 1989. IMDb, 7.5. Rotten Tomatoes, 87% critics, 86% audience. Three films in a row where the Rotten Tomatoes critics to audience ratio was like within a percent, uh, one or two percents. Uh, they're between Spinal Tap, Major League, and now this one. Uh, 15 million estimated budget opened again. 22 theaters. So remember, that's you know you got to give it some leniency here in its opening. Opened at 531 thousand dollars. Pretty good for 22 theaters, though. Everybody, uh, number one that week though in its first week was Pet Cemetery to help date when this film came out, and number two in its third week was Major League. So you had two. You know, we've seen this before in the past. We saw it with the underwater movies with Leviathan and uh, Deep Star Six and the Abyss all releasing very close to each other. We've seen it with Deep Impact and Armageddon, mm -hmm. uh, Volcano and Dante's Peak. So you actually had two competing baseball movies at the theater. And not, let's be honest, you had two of the best, if not the best, baseball movies ever made competing with each other roughly at the same time at the box office. Uh, but Major League, like I said, it was number two that week in its third week of release. Field of Dreams, however, would go on to gross domestically $64 million, a huge success. And worldwide, they added another 20 to it to round it out at around $84 million total. And this is a movie, too, uh, that really – it was one of those – even if you didn't see it, you knew about it because of the whole, if you build it, they will come. That became – they had parody commercials for it. It became a pop culture thing. Even again, again, it's, just, it's one of those th movies that permeated pop culture, and most people probably—I say most people—but a lot of people didn't even see it, but they knew about it. Just like people haven't seen Star Wars, you know, they know the theme and they know Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father because it's one of those things that just—it became part of the zeit cultural zeitgeist. So, 
worth worth noting and if you haven't seen it, you probably know about Tear and Voices in the Cornfield. But it was directed by Phil Alden Robinson. He also directed Sneakers with Robert Redford and the uh, when they tried to kind of reboot the Jack Ryan, Tom Clancy franchise with Some of All Fears, where Ben Affleck himself, Batfleck, took on the role of the Harrison Ford character, Jack Ryan. Uh, he, uh, Phil Alden Robinson also wrote the movie, did the screenplay. He also did the screenplay for Fletch, Chevy Chase classic, and... Ghost Dad, the Bill Cosby unclassic. But uh, I didn't know this to watching it this time, but it's also based on the book Shoeless Joe by W.P. Kinsella. Cinematography by John Lindley. Uh, Cinematography is fine on this film, and he did also did The Core with Hilary Swank, uh, Father of the Bride with Steve Martin and Martin Short. Uh, but he also did the cinematography for Pleasantville, which now that's a showpiece for cinematography in that one with the color, black and white, all that kind of stuff. So you wouldn't know it by watching this film, but yeah. Actually, you know, I take it back. There's, there's, because everything in this film is pretty practical. So the cinematography is actually pretty good. So hats off to uh, Phil Alden for doing that. And the music by the late, great James Horner. Tons of scores. Of course, he passed away, I think in a plane crash or something or cancer or something. I can't remember. Uh, but most notably, I, I like to look through his stuff and give my favorite scores that he did, aside from the ones that may just be more well-known. But he did Braveheart. Aliens, Willow, Glory, which if you're, if you're a score hound and you like film scores and you don't have the Glory soundtrack, you need to get the Glory soundtrack. It's one of the best 80s soundtracks out there. That's, I mean, that's some amazing music. But more of his, uh, I guess I did American Tale, the soundtrack for that. Uh, but his biggest hits were kind of working with James Cameron, obviously on Aliens, like I mentioned earlier, but also Avatar and Titanic. And by the way, saw the trailer for Avatar 2. And I, I could care less about that movie. I don't know. Water World Jesse? Yeah. <laughs> I, I would rather see Waterworld 2 than Avatar 2. Based on that trailer, I was just like, this looks like it doesn't look any better to me than the original. And it's just like, I'll be honest, you know, Avatar, it's a, it's a fine movie. I like it. The last 30 minutes, the, comp, the, the battles and everything is great. Stephen Lang is an amazing villain. But I can't. I, I've only I saw that movie once in the theater, once on Blu-ray, and I've watched the end maybe once or twice after that. You know, I don't care. There's not, you know, it's just it's not. You know, Aliens. I've watched Aliens like legitimately watched it beginning to end twenty times at least. You know, Willow, same thing. Braveheart, same thing. Avatar, you know, like I don't. I didn't want a sequel. I don't care. You know, more hype for Top Gun Maverick than. Uh, a new Avatar movie, but hey, Money Talk, and it's still the highest grossing movie of all time. So strangely enough, I think it was the 3D. I think that might have done it, pushed it over in the box office, but I don't know. I just don't think it's as good as, I think it's overrated. It's a very overrated movie. But anyway, back to Field of Dreams, uh, starring in his prime, Kevin Costner as Ray Kinsella. Of course, uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Waterworld, Dances with Wolves, JFK. Uh, and most recently, I guess a lot of people would, oh, yeah, he's the guy from Yellowstone. Yep, he's the guy from Yellowstone. Oh, yeah. Uh, Amy Madigan uh, as Annie, his wife in this, uh, veteran of the podcast, Uncle Buck, uh, also on Gone Baby Be Gone. And, spoiler alert, next week's movie, Streets of Fire. More on that at the end of the podcast. Uh, and the great, always great, whose voice I'm sounding more and more like every second, James Earl Jones as Terrence Mann, not to be confused with the director, Terrence Mann, uh, but of course, voice of Darth Vader, uh, Conan the Barbarian. Uh, he originated, I think he originated the role 
uh, that Denzel Washington played in the movie version of Fences, but on Broadway. And if you want to see a powerhouse of acting, watch, uh, just look up um, James Earl Jones in Fences, the speech he gives his son. It's, I mean, that's, I mean, uh, you don't get much better than that in the world of acting. Denzel in Fences was amazing, obviously, don't get me wrong. But uh, James Earl Jones just has that, a little, you know, Denzel has kind of an anger to him in that role, whereas James Earl Jones has more of that, like, older, mature anger or that uh, I've been beaten down by life because I'm old anger, so to speak. If you watch both of them, you'll get what I mean. But anyway, uh, also starring uh, Ray Liotta, Shoeless Joe Jackson. Of course, Goodfellas, his most notable role, I'd imagine. But he also was the lead in No Escape and also most notably had his brain eaten while he was still alive in the incredibly underwhelming sequel, in my opinion, to Silence of the Lambs, Hannibal. Hmm. Gabby Hoffman is the daughter of Karen. Uh, she was in Now and Then, one of my wife's favorite movies. And she was also the little girl in Uncle Buck. So she's also not just the second uh, Uncle Buck connection in this episode, but also the second veteran on the podcast. Of course, James Earl Jones, too, with Conan. So she's the third veteran. Uh, Timothy Busfield is Mark. He, uh, Revenge of the Nerds. So uh, biggest role was probably on television with 30-something. And the uh, I think it was a USA original movie that I loved as a kid for some reason called Cats. Not to be confused with the musical, but a movie where cats just started attacking people. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not talking like lions and stuff. I'm talking house cats. That was the movie. I've never even the, heard of the USA movie. original. And Burt Lancaster as Moonlight Graham. Uh, you probably, if you don't know who he is, you've probably seen the clip on, of the movie from here to eternity where him and a woman are kissing on the beach and the waves crash over him in black and white. Very famous scene, very famous movie. That is Moonlight Graham himself, Mr. Burt Lancaster, but also my dad would know him from gunfight at the OK Corral when she played legendary lawman Wyatt Earp. Uh, not one of the better Wyatt Earps, in my opinion, because that role goes to Kurt Russell for Tombstone. For sure. Uh, Frank Wally as Archie Graham, the younger ghost of Moonlight Graham. Uh, Frank Wally, Broken Arrow, The Doors, but everybody probably recognizes him as the guy who says what in Pulp Fiction and gets blown away, spoiler alert, uh, for saying what one more, goddamn, one more goddamn time. And now IMDb has the voice, you know, if you build it. Eases bang. As they have it credited as Ed Harris, but that is, I can tell you for sure, that is incorrect. In the movie, it is credited as himself. And this is a direct quote from the director, Phil Alden Robinson. He says, I did record the voice as a scratch track, he says. When you go into the editing room, you have to have something to cut to. So I recorded the voice as well as Kevin's opening narration. When the picture was locked, we re recorded all of that voiceover with people who could really do it. What's funny is that a few people who thought they knew have revealed it and gotten it wrong. I'll read people saying, well, I happen to know that it's so-and-so. And I'm like, oh, no, it's not. We'll let that remain a secret. It's a great mystery, and I like that. So nobody really knows except the director who actually is the voice in the cornfield. Hmm. So uh, although I, the IMDb says Ed Harris, which honestly, it sounds nothing like Ed Harris. It is definitely <laughs> not Ed Harris. Because uh, I was listening uh, when I saw that, because I, I, I did my notes first, because I've seen this movie before, obviously. So that way I could kind of pay attention to some of the trivia and some of the other stuff. It is definitely not Ed Harris as the voice. 100% not his voice. Because he's got that very, again, it's, I don't sound like Ed Harris, even though my last name is Harris. My father is Ed Harris, but not that Ed Harris. Uh, but, you know, he's a very distinct voice, you know. Uh, 
if anything, to me, I mean, I, it's incorrect, but if, if it sounds almost more like Ray Liotta whispering, which is kind of on the nose, but he said as well, the director said it's not Ray Liotta either. I'm playing it now. It sounds the most. See if. Oh, I mean, it's hard to tell with a whisper like that, though. Yeah. It, some of the other lines later on are like a little more louder and clearer, but it's still like, I mean, it's a whisper. It's not like, you know, it's not like you know, Morgan Freeman or James Earl Jones like whispering, like, listen. Simba. <laughs> Simba. You know, it's, it's very, it's very <laughs> non-distinct, you know. So, and rounding out the cast, Ben Affleck, which we mentioned earlier, and Matt Damon are actually extras in this film during the ball game scene. And I watched that scene twice. You cannot see them anywhere, but they did eh. work. They were on the on the set as extras. Wow. Now, Field of Dreams. Now, like I said last week, Major League is my favorite. If I had to pick a baseball movie to watch, I would pick Major League. It's fun. Like for all the reasons I said last week. However, you know, we like, I like to make the distinction between favorite and best. And also, again, reminding everybody, I fucking hate baseball. I don't like I'm not a baseball fan. I do not like the sport of baseball. It's too boring. If it was four innings, maybe I would be in I maybe you know, then the stakes are higher. I, I might enjoy it. You know, a nice hour game, less than you know, under an hour game. Cool, fine. But anyway, I will say I think this is the best baseball movie. Again, Major League, my favorite, but I think this might be the best baseball movie because, A, it's based on a book by a baseball fan. It's directed by a guy who loves baseball. Major League was too, but, you know, it's a comedy. Uh, but I haven't seen this movie probably in a, set in a few years, at least two or three years. Uh, definitely the first time. Actually, actually, no, it probably honestly, probably maybe five over five years at least. Because uh, I don't think I've ever watched. Actually, you know, dude, honestly, seriously, the more I think about it, probably 10, 15 years to be absolutely honest. Because I don't think I've ever watched this us with Autumn since we've been together, mm-hmm. uh, and we're going on, you know, we're knocking on the door of fifteen. So it's been a very long time. But as a child, recorded off TV, renting it, watched it a lot. Loved, you know, as a kid, loved the movie. Uh, but watching it last night, as a matter of fact, uh, this movie hits so different when you're older. Mm. There's there's a ton of subtext. There's a a ton of there's a, the acting in this film is superb. By the way, I have to every actor in this film, actor and actress, is amazing. Like well casted. Uh, it's the little it's those nuances that you see in very skilled actors that are that are very very present in this film. Uh, I think the dialogue could use some work, but it's done very well for what it is with the act, the actors involved. Uh, the effects are cheesy. But I mean, this isn't an effects heavy picture. The biggest thing you have is people fading in and out of existence. But we all know how to do that because we've all done it as kids with our family's camcorder or, or on our iPhone. Uh, but yeah, this, I mean, the story's still great. And, you know, and I didn't realize it to watching it this time. I mean, this is really kind of like a it's a horror movie because it's a ghost story. These are ghosts playing in this cornfield. He's hearing voices in his cornfield. He's 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 talking to ghosts. So this is technically a horror movie, and you know, but it's like in a horror movie in the way that Casper, the friendly ghost with Christina Ricci, uh, is a, a horror movie as well. You know, very, very only in terms of the fact that there's a ghost in it. I guess, you know, if on I, you know, if you gave it three labels, it would be drama, fan or fantasy drama, or maybe drama, fantasy, horror, uh, or a supernatural thriller. I don't know. However, you, however much you want to sub subdivide the genres but uh yeah that, that was the biggest thing because me and Otto are making jokes about like comparing it to children of the corn and it would make a great double feature to have children of the corn and field of dreams because they're both you know one of them is definitely a horror movie and field of dreams is 
you know, the thinnest thread. I consider it a horror movie. Not going to watch it every Halloween because there's much better stuff to watch. But uh, it is a ghost movie. It's one of the better ghost movies. If I had to pick a ghost movie to watch, it'd be in contention. Because ghost movies to me are, that's like, you know, The Conjuring and Paranormal Activity, they're garbage, in my opinion. <laughs> like Ghost movies don't work for me. This is how you do a ghost movie. You know, you don't make it scary. You know, I don't think I've ever seen a ghost movie that scared me. Except for maybe the original Haunting of Hill House with Vincent Price. Uh, maybe it's because it's, you know, it's made in that old style to where it's got some creepy, it's got a good atmosphere. You know, a lot of, a lot of ghost movies have that atmosphere. Um, Del, uh, Devil's Backbone. There you go. That's a good ghost movie. Del Toro. Uh, I recommend that one if you haven't seen it. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, and again, I apologize for my voice, everybody. I, have, I got antibiotics at the doctor today. So next episode, 100%. Well, knock on wood. <laughs> should be back to normal with my voice. So thank you for bearing with us. It's, it's honestly, maybe it's an allergy. It's an, a reaction to having to talk about baseball, even though the movies are great. Baseball just sucks, man. You could God. be allergic to Utah. I mean, that's kind of new too. <laughs> uh, well, no, we don't. Well, it's so dry out there. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that's not helping. I mean, it's like a hundred today. Although, right. my, although I heard it was like 99 over there in Louisiana yesterday. Yeah. So yeah. It's not great. It's kind of hot everywhere right now. But yeah, uh, bottom line is, honestly, if you haven't seen Field of Dreams, highest possible recommendation. It's a great movie. It's a drama. I, I mean, the end, I cried. I, I'm not, I ain't too proud. Well, I, don't, I'm not, I'm, I am too proud to beg. I'm not too proud to admit that I cried at this movie. Hmm. Uh, hit you right in the feels at the end. Uh, although, I will say that my biggest complaint with this movie is how the daughter gets hurt at the end where the brother-in-law like picks her up and then like Kevin Costner's like, hey, put my daughter down. And then like he drops her off the bleachers. <laughs> it's just kind of i don't know it's kind of done because i'd have out of as a father of a daughter my first reaction would have been to just knock the hell out of timothy busfield just as a reaction <laughs> but they're all pretty calm about it but uh again i'm kind of nitpicking uh but again yeah the end of the movie like the movie and the thing is like watching it this time as a kid i didn't i didn't appreciate it you know the language of films so to speak is that i did this time watching it just how well done it is in terms of the callbacks to like Moonlight Graham talking about his dream and he gets his dream and then, you know, him come crossing off and he can't go back and put back and play baseball again. Uh, it's just this scene. It's just like, whoa. And it looks more like Kevin Costner pushed her. Mm-hmm. And he just, uh, it's just, I guess it should have been, she just tripped, you know, she's like, don't talk about that. Don't, like, don't yell at my daddy. And then like she slips or something. I mean, that's not uncommon for a kid. You know, as opposed to the adults like fighting over her, which is I thought was a little odd. But uh, yeah, the end of this film hits you. I mean, it's a gut punch, you know, in a, in a good way. You know, and again, if, if, I'm not going to spoil the exact ending if you see it. But the way that the, the movie, this movie is so well, it's so tight in how it wraps up every theme and storyline so well within the last five minutes of the movie. I mean, maybe even less than that. I mean, it's it just at the end. The end happens real quick because once they get to the, the the game, where I know, I mean, from memory, I remember where you know it's kind of like the drama, the real you know the tearjerker part is happening. It's just like, oh wow, like God, it gets here quick. It's like an hour and forty seven minutes. I mean, it's a it's not a short movie, but uh, it doesn't seem as long as it is. And uh, and also, uh, like I mentioned, the acting, uh, Kevin Costner and James Earl Jones have great, great chemistry. Uh, even especially in, when they first like we opened the episode with where James Earl Jones doesn't want anything to do with them. Their interaction is great. It's like the exact it's like their relationship is like the opposite of 
Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman in seven. You know, they're just so happy to be working together once they get over their initial awkwardness. Uh, but uh, great chemistry with them. Burt Lancaster, I think this, this was his last, like, theatrical film before he passed away. He did do some other things, but nothing, like, theatrical like this. Uh, great performance by him. Uh, Ray Liotta is great. You know, it's just, it's just again, it's, it, it has all, there's no real, like, weak element in the film. It's, I mean, yeah, I've had to pick anything, you know, some of the writing is a little, like, you know, could have been a little tighter, maybe. Like I said, but nothing to like nothing that sticks out. We're like, oh, or you're rolling your eyes or anything. I mean, it is a, this, again. This is a 1989 film too, so you know we're all, we're we're used to watching different types of films these days. You know, uh, strangely enough, you know this film kind of takes its time, but it never seems slow. Hmm. Whereas a lot of movies these days are unnecessarily long, which we've talked about before. Uh, there were except you know there are ex- obviously exceptions like we talked about a couple of episodes ago the Batman almost three hours long but to me did not seem that long at all uh, this film seemed more like an hour and a half to me uh, like I said it moves the plot moves every you know there's really nothing wasted uh, everything furthers the character's development or progresses the plot or is you know giving background for revelations that come later so. Uh, really, really enjoyable. Really enjoyed watching it this time. Uh, again, for the first time in a very, as we I discovered in my journey of self-discovery earlier, for the first time in a very, very long. Honestly, this is why the first time I watched this in HD, you know, in, in a 1080p mm. version, looks great. Kevin Costner was so young. James Earl Jones looks the same to me. He's one of those like he's like Steve Martin, you know. He, he, James Earl Jones, at least, he just looks he just looks the, he's looked the same to me ever since I've known known about him, you know. Uh, but yeah, highly, highly recommend this film and uh some of the behind the scenes stuff now mentioned earlier how uh it came to the box office the same time pretty much the same time as major league well between 1989 the year this and major league came out actually excuse me between 88 and 93 so in that five-year span there were six baseball movies and these are all ones that are pretty well known you know obviously some are more well known than others but uh in 88 you had eight men out which is the story of Shoeless Joe Jackson as well. So within a year, you had two movies about the eight baseball players that got kicked out of the league for supposedly throwing the World Series game. Uh, in 88, you also had Bull Durham, which had Kevin Costner in it. And then in 89, you had Major League and Field of Dreams, which Field of Dreams is basically almost like a trilogy between Eight Men Out and uh, Bull Durham because you have the Kevin Costner connection, Bull Durham, and the Shoeless Joe Jackson connection from Eight Men Out. And then in, you don't have any baseball movies for two years. And then in 92, you have a league of their own. And in 93, the Sandlot. So there's, there's your, there's your, and honestly, those are your, those are your four best baseball movies, major league, field of dreams, a league of their own and the Sandlot. Uh, I'll, I'll make it five rookie of the year. I like rookie of the year. I remember liking that as a kid, funky, butt loving. If you've ever seen rookie of the year, you get that reference. Uh, that's the one where the kid breaks his arm, but the tendons heal too tight. So the Cubs, uh, make him their pitcher. Oh, wait, I just thought of another one. Okay, there are six good baseball movies. Angels in the Outfield. Sorry, Matthew McConaughey. I'm sounding kind of like him a little bit, too, if I let my little southern drawl come out. Uh, but, yeah, that's a, that's a really good one, too. Uh, so, yeah, so there's six good baseball movies. Uh, none that I would watch on repeat except for maybe Major League. But, anyway, Sandlot, Sandlot's really good, too. But that's honestly more of a, you know, movie about your friends that are, you know, the, the times in, when you were kids in the adventure, the hijinks you and your friends would get into. Uh, the, now, the baseball diamond was actually built 
on a farm in Dyersville, Iowa. And after the filming was completed, the family that owned the farm kept the field, added a small hut with uh, inexpensive souvenirs for sale. And as of 2018, visitors were still free to come to the field and play baseball as they please between April and November. And I do believe that is still true to the uh, you know pandemic, obviously. You know, maybe they didn't. I don't know. I don't know if I was a red or a blue state, so I don't know how much they believe in the pandemic or not. Woo! woo woke alert. But uh, anyway, uh, the actual location is 28995 Lansing Road, Dyersville, Iowa. You can see it on Google Maps. Uh, they actually had a... <laughs> but the one, obviously, you tell which one's the movie one. This one's the movie the, one. The, this one's yeah, they the keep the corner MLB around that one. one. Apparently, uh, they mu- the uh, Major League Baseball League or whatever uh, must have built one. Well, every now and then they'll do like a like a celebratory game there. They had one a few years ago where Kevin Costner came out of the corn and then the, all the players came out behind him. Pretty pretty damn cool, uh, if you ask me. But uh, yeah, it's open. You can go there. You can play baseball. They do have games there. They do. I mean, so it's a, it's an active field. You know, I mean, it's. It's legit. It's a you know. It's they built it for the movie and they kept it up. So you can you can actually go to this piece of movie history today, and you know stand where Kevin Costner stood. You know, fall off the bleachers and choke on a hot dog. <laughs> do whatever you want. It's it is all right there. They do tours of the house. They have a gift shop. You know, so if you're like me, you can get a magnet that says you know Field of Dreams movie site and put it on your fridge to show that you've been there. And uh, it was funny too. It's if you look if if you know if you know your geography of the U.S. You know, all the people walking the cornfield. Yeah, of course. Uh, if you're watching on Street View, but um, it's if you if you know where Chicago is, you go west about four hours, and there that's where it is. Or if you know where Minneapolis is, you go southeast for three hours, and that's where Dyersville, Iowa, is in the Field of Dreams field. I know this mainly because Autumn used to have to go traveling for uh, she used to have to go to kind of uh, Wisconsin for um, training for Epic, the the thing that she's certified in. And she, one time we thought, oh, maybe I could go with her while she's in school. I'll just go do a little road trip, you know, in the radius. And the radius of where she had to go for that class was the Field of Dream site. And it's also about three hours from the Buddy Holly crash site. Mm. So uh, I'd kind of planned a little road trip, but obviously didn't end up doing it. Doing it. Otherwise, I would have obviously shared pictures of it on mm. <laughs> our uh, Instagram and all that kind of fun stuff. But, uh, yeah, definitely a place. If I, was, if I was ever in the area, I would absolutely go to. For the you know grab a grab a magnet for the souvenir and pictures on the field and by the corn. So, yep, it is still you know and that's that's very rare too, honestly, to where like a film site is preserved, but it's preserved as being the film site. Oh, look at that ghost in the corn you found, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> Go on Google Maps and look at the corn and on Street View and see if you can see the people hiding in the corn. <laughs> but uh, you know, like like the Myers House on Halloween, like. It's preserved, but it's not like preserved as a film, as a historical location. Uh, you know, um, yeah, like uh, Vasquez Rocks is preserved. That's a natural formation, you know. Um, but like uh, uh, the Christmas Story House is another one that's preserved, like where it's it's kept as this is where a Christmas story was filmed. So this house is historic. That's what I'm getting at. There's a lot of like houses. Oh, this is where they filmed Nightmare on Elm Street. Everybody knows that house. It's not preserved as like a historic film site. People own it. It's a private residence, you know, so, but this house, you can take tours, all that kind of stuff where they filmed it, all that. It, it is, it's legacy is a film site, not just a house. That's kind of what I'm getting at. Hmm. Uh, Shoeless Joe rem- remarks about Ty Cobb, who we talked about. Uh, no, that was Cy Young. Excuse me. Again, these baseball players, yeah. fuck them and everything. Little break here for a sip. 
Moisture. <coughs> yeah. All right. Now let me get one more. Hydrate. <coughs> she looks like Hermione. Yeah, but it's a dry cough. Was that? She looks like Hermione, like in the first Harry Potter. Oh, she does. Yeah, <laughs> that hair. All right, here we go. Three, two, one. Uh, the, now, the baseball diamond was actually built on a farm in Dyersville, Iowa. And after the filming was completed, the family that owned the farm kept the field, added a small hut with uh, inexpensive souvenirs for sale. And as of 2018, visitors were still free to come to the field and play baseball as they please between April and November. And I do believe that is still true to the uh, you know pandemic. Obviously, you know, maybe they didn't. I don't know. I don't know if I was a red or a blue state. So I don't know how much they believe in the pandemic or not. Woke alert. But uh, anyway, uh, the actual location is 28995 Lansing Road, Dyersville, Iowa. You can see it on Google Maps. Uh, They actually had a... (laughs) But the one, obviously, you tell which one's the movie one. This one's the movie one. This one's the the corner around that one. one. Apparently, uh, the uh, Major League Baseball League or whatever must have built one. Well, every now and then they'll do like a like a celebratory game there. They had one a few years ago where Kevin Costner came out of the corn and then the, all the players came out behind him. Pretty pretty damn cool, uh, if you ask me. But uh, yeah, it's open. You can go there. You can play baseball. They do have games there. They do. I mean, so it's a, it's an active field. You know, I mean, it's it's legit. It's a you know, it's they built it for the movie and they kept it up. So you can you can actually go to this piece of movie history today and you know stand where kevin costner stood you know fall off the bleachers and choke on a hot dog do whatever you want it's it is all right there they do tours of the house they have a gift shop you know so if you're like me you can get a magnet that says you know field of dreams movie site and put it on your fridge to show that you've been there and uh it was funny too it's if you look if, if you know if you know your geography of the u.s you know, all the people walking the cornfield yeah of course uh, if you're like, watching on street view but um it's if you if you know where chicago is you go west about four hours and there, that's where it is. Or if you know where Minneapolis is, you go southeast for three hours, and that's where Dyersville, Iowa is in the Field of Dreams field. I know this mainly because Autumn used to have to go traveling for uh, – she used to have to go to kind of uh, Wisconsin for um, training for Epic, the, the thing that she's certified in. And she one time we thought, oh, maybe I could go with her while she's in school. I'll just go do a little road trip you know, in the radius. And the radius of where she had to go for that class was the Field of Dreams site – and it's also about three hours from the Buddy Holly crash site. Mm. So uh, I'd kind of planned a little road trip, but obviously didn't end up doing it. Doing it. Otherwise, I would have obviously shared pictures of it on mm. <laughs> our uh, Instagram and all that kind of fun stuff. But uh, yeah, definitely a place. If I, was, if I was ever in the area, I would absolutely go to for the, you know, grab a, grab a magnet for the souvenir and pictures on the field and by the corn. So, yep, it is still, you know, and that's, that's very rare too, honestly, to where like a film site is preserved but it's preserved as being the film site oh look at that ghost in the corn you found jesse (laughs) (laughs) go on google maps and look at the corn and on street view and see if you can see the people hiding in the corn (laughs) but uh you know like like the myers house from halloween like it's preserved but it's not like preserved as a film as a historical location uh you know um like uh, vasquez rocks is preserved that's a natural formation you know um but like uh, 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 the Christmas Story house is another one that's preserved, like where it's it's kept as this is where a Christmas Story was filmed. So this house is historic. 
that's what I'm getting at. There's a lot of like houses. Oh, this is where they filmed Nightmare on Elm Street. Everybody knows that house. It's not preserved as like a historic film site. People own it. It's a private residence. You know, so but this house you can take tours, all that kind of stuff, where they filmed it, all that. It, it is its legacy is a film site, not just a house. That's kind of what I'm getting at. Hmm. Uh, Shoeless Joe rem- remarks about Ty Cobb, who we talked about. Uh, no, that was Cy Young. Excuse me. Again, these baseball players, yeah. fuck them. Watch the movie's based that his lawyer said they would be quote unhappy if it were transferred to other media. End quote. So the studio created the false author of Terrence Mann. Which is fine because James Earl Jones killed that role. Uh, and although Shoeless Joe Jackson was a left-handed hitter, producers let Ray Liotta bat with his natural right-handed side. And uh, he's often had people point out the inaccuracy of him, which he was, Ray Liotta would respond, quote, none of the players ever came back to life either. End quote. Which, <laughs> nail in the coffin of that discussion, yep. everybody. Uh, now, at the end, to me, the, 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 the like, in, in Cool Runnings, it's when uh, – Junior's dad opens his shirt and he's wearing the Jamaican bobsled team. That's the part that just makes me tear. Like, you know, I'm already like fighting back tears and that's the part that just makes me lose it. Uh, in this movie, it's when he's, when Kevin, and to me, it's one of the best like moments of acting in movie. It'd be my top 10 like moments of acting in movie history, in my opinion. Uh, when he says, Hey dad, do you want to have a catch? Uh, Cause when it cuts to his face, cause he's trying, you know, it, it, it perfectly encapsulates that character in that moment because he doesn't know if he should let him know that he's his dad or does he know he's his dad? He doesn't know, you know, so he's like trying to walk that line. And then it's just like, he, you know, this is his moment in that. That's why this movie's so brilliant. Cause there's a breakdown where he's like, Hey, look, I built your damn field. You know, when, when, what, do I get? Why can't I go see I'm like, did you build, is that why you built it? Ray? Cause you wanted something out of, you know, it's a great scene. Again, this movie, the, the last 10 minutes of this movie is like brilliant in my opinion. It's just, it just cements it as a great film to me. Uh, of course, opinions may vary, obviously, as they do in this world. But uh, his moment of acting where he says, like, hey, dad, do you want to have a catch? And it cuts his face. And it's just like he, you could tell he's fighting tears as the character. You know, brilliant. This was, again, you know, we, me, me and you, Jesse, have acted in our little, you know, movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, and a lot of people, a lot of people think they can act. Like, oh, acting's not that hard. Yes, it is. It absolutely is. Uh, exhibit A, Kevin Costner and Field of Dreams right here in this moment. It's like, that is a moment that an actor, like, you know, that hinged on his acting, like, in that moment, making it as heartfelt and the impact of that moment as it was, is all in his acting, in my opinion. And, but actually, though, and if you watch, again, I read the trivia before I watched it this time, the part where he says, hey, dad, is still on the shot of his father because they added, the original line was just, hey, do you want to have a catch? They didn't include the dad line. And audiences were disappointed at the lack of acknowledgement of father and son. So they added the word dad. They looped it in post-production, which good choice. I mean, it would have worked the other way, but it's the moment of like him kind of like not caring and just wanting to let his dad know that he wants that, you know, because the, there's the whole plot line of him, like never getting to take back the, the horrible thing he said to his dad uh, out of anger when he was 17. You know, it's like a Seinfeld episode, but drama. Everything is called back to and responded to in the end for the character development. And uh, really, really great. And uh, I thought this was really interesting, too. So the last shot of the film, uh, if, you, anybody, if you've seen it, you, remember, you might remember it. But it zooms out, and there's all the cars lined up. It's all mm-hmm. the people coming to the field to see the, you know. And again, I hate baseball, just like James Earl Jones. That speech he gives 
it's a great speech, great monologue, but I totally disagree with it because it's about baseball. It's like the one common in life was baseball, which for baseball fans, absolutely. But it's just like, I'm like, this is a great moment, but this speech is not for me because <laughs> it's, I don't give a shit about baseball. Uh, now the final shot of the film, like I was, was saying, you know, all the cars lining up to come to the field, uh, local Dyersville police department was required to direct traffic for four hours from a widespread of six miles after the aerial shots were complete. The final shot of the film was a big community event. They had 1,500 volunteers drive their vehicles. Now, they shot this at Magic Hour. Uh, that's a Rain of Fire reference. If you haven't seen Rain of Fire, you should watch it because it's a badass movie, despite what the critics say. Uh, but Magic Hour, is a, it's a real thing in a variety of fields. But in terms of cinematography, there's that kind of hour of twilight to where it's dark, but the sky is still blue. And that's what they were going for. At the last shot, so that the cars on the ground, it's dark, but as they pan up to the sky, it's still blue. So it's not just, you know, a totally black pan or anything like that. But uh, for only a brief time, could both the headlights and the blue of the sky be shown in one single shot? First take, it was too bright. Second shot, the lighting was perfect, but the camera's f-stop was messed up. Shame, shame, shame. Mm. Now they had one more chance to do it, and but just before the final shot, the director realized that with any heavy traffic, most of the cars weren't moving because they're just Obviously, you know, they're lined up for miles, just not moving for this shot. So they basically had to go tell, like, radio to everybody, you know, to tell everybody as quickly as they can through the local radio station to flash your high beams on and off for the shot. So that way, the, it, even though the cars aren't moving, it simulated the appearance of the lights passing behind obstructions. And I'll be honest with you, when I watched that shot this time, noticing that worked perfectly. It looks like it, in the cars in it. Now, if you're if you're paying attention, knowing they're not moving, you can tell they're not moving, but you can tell that they're blinking their lights on and off to give the impression that they are moving. To where, if you didn't know this fact, which I've just now ruined the movie for you, uh, at least that shot, they uh, were literally standing still. So I thought it was pretty interesting. And one, again, one of those things that you know, that's what, oh, I could direct a movie. Well, you know all this crap about you know how cameras work and all this shit. So you know that hey, to make this look good, if they flash their lights, it'll work. You know that kind of stuff. You know, it, it all takes skill. And that was a brilliant off uh, decision to really kind of nail that last shot, which it really does. Uh, we always like to talk about what if Tom Hanks was originally offered the role of Ray Kinsella, but turned it down. And, you know, I like Tom Hanks, but Kevin Costner nails this. This is this might be his best like acting role. Uh, although I really liked him in Man of Steel uh, as uh Jonathan Kent. I thought that was, I thought that was, I mean, of course, that's a much, a much later role, but I mean, it was so earnest in its portrayal. Uh, of course, I like him as Robin Hood, but let's be honest, that's not a. <laughs> the, Alan Rickman owns that movie. Some more trivia about the film, though. Uh, it is the only Best Picture Oscar nominee that year not to win any Academy Awards. Wow. So it was nominated for Best Picture, but didn't win anything in any of the other categories, nor Best Picture. Now, the winner that year of Best Picture was. Driving Miss Daisy, which uh, I think Field of Dreams is a better movie than Driving Miss Daisy. But again, I'm not a member of the Academy. Uh, Field of Dreams was, however, voted the greatest sports movie of all time in a recent survey uh, by the Los Angeles Times. In September 97, the film was shown on television instead of Lethal Weapon 3 because Princess Diana had passed away. So they thought it would be better to show Field of Dreams Instead of people getting blown away by Riggs and Murtaugh in Lethal Weapon 3. 
And this was also, however, named one of the most, one of the 20 most overrated movies of all time by Premier. Uh, maybe at the time, maybe at some point, maybe it did get a little over, overrated. I don't know. But in 2022, watching it in my home, you know, like I said, the tears were flowing at the end. It, it's a heartwarming. It's a, it's it's truly to me again a good movie. It's just a good movie that it you know it hits on a variety of subjects. You know, like you know following your dreams, sticking to what you believe in, believing in yourself, and you know loving your family. I mean, you know, it's it's just good. It's just you know. And it, it, it's all, and unfortunately for me, it's about the sport of baseball, mm. but you know, we can all relate. It's just, it's just a damn, damn good movie. Uh, score wise, I would give it an eight. Uh, Jesse, I, I assume, I don't think you got to watch it for this, but uh, from your memory, I mean, I'm pretty sure you've seen this movie for sure. Oh, for sure. I remember but, uh, scenes from this because I must have seen it multiple times, 20 years ago. I remember enjoying it. Uh, 20 years ago, I guess I would have gave it somewhere between a seven and eight. So we'll say seven and a half. There you go. Perfect. And again, this released April 21st, 1989, the same day. One of my favorite topics to revisit in the real world because we had so many films, uh, especially recently hit the same kind of date. But on April 21st, students from Beijing, Shanghai, and Xi'an and Nanjing began protesting in Tiananmen Square in Beijing, which we all know what that led to. And if we don't go to uh, Wikipedia and look up Tiananmen Square Massacre and watch it, there's a great documentary on YouTube. I always like to plug that because it's a very uh, important event in world history uh, just to show you, you know, stark differences in political systems. Uh, and, and, you know, never forget Tank Man. Never forget Tank Man. Uh, not Tank Girl, Tank Man. Uh, and then uh, five days later, uh, on April 26th, the great television actress, comedian, and entertainer Lucille Ball, Lucy, passed away, born in 1911, died April 26, 1989. So I was never a fan of I Love Lucy. That was my parents' and grandparents' kind of thing on Nick at Night. Uh, however, you know, comedy legend, she saved Star Trek, the television show, uh, you know, a, a pioneer in women's comedy and uh, a lot of stuff. So definitely a heavy hitter, a uh, big loss to the entertainment industry back in 1989. Back to the future this, this week, Jesse, I want to turn it over to you because I forgot to do that last week. <laughs> so the floor is yours. Well, I mean, I've been catching up on playing a lot of games. So uh, I don't get to spend a lot of time with my PS4 until recently when I caught up on a bunch of work. I was like, I am overworked right now, so I am going to... Veg out and just play a game. So what I did is I fired up Uncharted. I never played Uncharted 1. We had a store open up recently near us called Game Exchange. You could buy uh, used games for really cheap. So I got the uh, Nathan Drake collection, one through, <laughs> uh, one through three. And so I played the first one, played the second one, played the third one, played the fourth one. <laughs> played them all in order. And so I can give up pretty good review on all these the first one i feel like this was in a different time where games had to have people constantly shooting at you and you had to shoot back and that's pretty much what it was it was like i really wanted more puzzles but every time you would like figure out this puzzle and get into a cave there'd be a bunch of bad guys in there shooting at you <laughs> like how do these guys get in how did here? you beat this puzzle and this gradually goes away by the third one every time you get into a place <sighs> 
they replaced the bad guys with something more natural, like spiders or something like that. Something um, yeah. acceptable. Um, even in the second one, though, they still have some bad guys in places that was already difficult for you to get into. Um, mm-hmm. I think overall the balance is pretty good in the second one. Um, yeah. I know you had a problem with the fourth one, but after replaying it, it's the most cinematic of the of them. It feels most like you're mm-hmm. watching a movie. And and that's mm-hmm. probably the issue that you had. There's so many cutscenes. It's a bit of a cutscene hunter. So Yeah, I just hated the flashback stuff. Could not I, was, I didn't I care made about a note brother. of that. And there's only two of them. There's only two flashbacks with the brother. It was so, so aggravating. <laughs> the two were awful. It, it seemed like, uh, honestly, uh, when I think of Uncharted 4, I remember the end where you're on like the islands and like going between uh-huh. the, and how beautiful it was. Yeah. And I remember, the only other thing I remember for that game is the damn like sequence where you're like escaping the orphanage or whatever on the rooftops yeah, with your brother. That's one of, I just remember. That's, that's I remember right at the beginning. So much. So right wow. at the beginning of Uncharted 4. <laughs> Uh, you're on the boat right at the beginning, and you're going to the island, and then it eventually overturns, and then we come back in the orphanage, and you play through that scene. But then you don't go... Hated it. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the only flashback. And then um, it's, that's the only flashback with the uh, aside from the other one that goes into details about their mother, where they have mm. to sneak into like a museum house or something like that. Yeah, there's at least something else. So yeah. part three like also said. had flashbacks of of how he met uh, Sully and stuff like that. Anyway, all of that, I also um, watched Uncharted the movie after that because I was like, well, I've come this far. I'm an expert at Uncharted. <laughs> let's go ahead and yeah, let's go ahead and check out this movie. And um, if you want the most uncharted Uncharted feeling part of the movie, it's the third act. Um, mm. first and second act, you're watching the more almost James Bondy style stuff. They're, they're just sneaking around doing things. And they add this thing to Nathan Drake that isn't in the games at all. He's a bartender and he's really good at slinging what? drinks and stuff. So <laughs> oh, I didn't know that part of Nathan Drake. Apparently it must've been like his, his, uh, you know, college years. Where he was a bartender, and um, but overall, Tom Holland does a pretty good job of capturing um, the sarcasm in Nathan Drake. Mm. Uh, Sully, Mark Wahlberg. If you ask them what's a PlayStation, be like, I don't know. I don't know what a PlayStation is. <laughs> I don't know. I just, your mother? I just read the words on the page. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> And then you try to give him I mean, notes. He's like, don't tell me how to act. I know how to act. I've been doing this a while. Anyways. I, I imagine, no, one, no one has ego. Then again, I don't know the guy. I'm just, I'm being completely silly here. I imagine when people question him, he just holds up a mirror and looks at himself and like, yep. I just had to check. I'm Mark Wahlberg. Don't yeah. talk to me. Don't tell me how to act. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I crippled a guy when I was a teenager, you know? He so, blinded a dude like he beat up a guy and like blinded him or something. Uh, multiple times. Something like reported that. probably. <laughs> He's like, oh, this is like, the only yeah. one they reported on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's he's awful in it. And it's really bad because he's in it a lot. And uh, also the character of Chloe is in it. 
played by an American girl doing a British accent, where Tom Holland's a British guy doing an American accent. <laughs> um, Just, I, oh, God. It's, it's a strange choice. I didn't like the character choices for Chloe. She was mm. fine as as doing that, but um, I just thought they tried to make her like. Well, for one, she's the only like female res- representation in the whole movie, and they make yeah. her like bad. <laughs> she's not good. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Was she English in the games? I well, I should say I should say there's there's also a bad. Uh, bad person in the movie. I don't want to give away too much about how it all plays out, but there's yeah, there's one other uh, female woman in the movie. So, um, but what was your question? Uh, in the games, Chloe, that's the blonde reporter, right, or the right. journalist? No, or? no, no. Uh, that's that's uh, Elena. Uh, Chloe oh, okay. is the dark dark haired one, um, who's kind of just like one of one of Nathan Drake's partners. Like you get the impression in part two that they're dating or used to date. And, um, you know, there's a lot of like kind of sexual jokes in part two. And then by part three, she's just one of the guys, basically. She's, uh, Ah. she's, she's in a lot of part, um, part three, but she is mainly a colleague, you know? So, Mm -hmm. Because I was about to say, like she was. I was about to before you clarify. You were saying I was. I was gonna say because I thought she was. I thought I was about to say. I should say. I keep saying the word say. <laughs> anyway, rhyming here. But because uh, I thought she was the like. The, I, thought, I don't. I didn't remember her from two. But because I, I was gonna say that. Oh, is she the one that like in three that was like. Which I know, now that I see on your screen. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I completely remember her now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Elena's not even in the movie, but I'm sure they're going to come out with it later because they have two after credits. Um, oh wow! Yeah. Did it need it? <laughs> I don't think they needed it, but these were things that were spoiled like a long time ago. Like, for example, in the movie, Mark Wahlberg does not have a mustache like the Sully character does, but in the post-credit scene, he has it, and it's almost like Nathan has seen him for the first time with it. Because he's like, what are, what's on your face? And meanwhile, they're like in the middle of a heist. And you're like, I think you would have saw it in the planning process unless they just did it all over the phone. <laughs> he didn't grow it, you know. <laughs> I mean, did you plan it like eight weeks, you know, two months ago? <laughs> yeah. And also, like, I don't know. There's some jokes that carry over. But if I have to give it some good notes, which some people disagree on, uh, the third act being the most uncharted part of it. Uh, whereas some people were like, eh, it's too CG. It's like, the games are all CG. <laughs> <laughs> Just deal with it. <laughs> That's the only way to achieve. I, I, I can understand both points, you know, and having not seen it, but I'll let yeah. you know. After yeah. I see it, I'll give my two cents. But I can understand somebody saying that, but again, I haven't seen what they're talking about, so it might, oh, you know, yeah. obviously, if, if he's hanging outside of a plane, well, of course it's CG. He's not Tom Cruise. Sure. Yeah, and honestly, that part was taken from uh, Uncharted 3, which... 3. Yeah. yeah, some people may have a problem. It's like, oh, you just took it from the movie. I mean, took it from the game. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's see. an Uncharted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they added enough new stuff later on that's just as ridiculous as that scene. And that's why I was okay with the third act of this, uh, mm. because it is, it's out there. It's 
It's like, no, these people would all be dead. <laughs> this could not happen. Um, but because you got to accept that once you accept that, you're like, okay, I could see me mashing the X button at this point in time. And, yeah, like- <laughs> and you know, there's a lot of climbing in this game, in the games. And they, they yeah. give a few nods. You know, you don't want to sit there and watch someone climb for an yeah. hour and a half, but there's <sighs> enough of it to where he, there are moments where he's like it's doing the climbing thing. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it it was fine. Uh, if you like Uncharted, it's it's fine. Or if you like any of the actors in it, uh, it's just a sh- shame that you know Sully kind of like wasn't better cast. Yeah, you know, I would have been. It would have been hilarious to see like Bruce Campbell in that role or something. <laughs> <laughs> if only. <laughs> uh, I mean, I understand I mean, they yeah. wanted to go with younger so they can like keep it going. I guess. Um, mm-hmm. But after I watched the movie, I watched the Uncharted uh, short on YouTube with uh, oh, with the one with uh, Nathan uh, Fillion. Oh. Yeah, I was like, I'm drawing a blank, and I love him so much. <laughs> yeah, that gives you a nice dose of Uncharted um, in a, in a really great way. Although low budget, but it still feels pretty good to watch, just because you know there's a lot of stunts and stuff in it, and. Uh, I don't know. He does a great Nathan Drake and Sully played by the guy in Avatar. What's his name? Alan Ungar. No, no, no that's the director here. Uh, Stephen um, Lang, Lang. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Um, he does an okay job. He, he accomplishes the look, but, mm-hmm. uh, and the dialogue is good. So Alan Ungar who wrote it, that's, there he is. Um, yeah, they just did a good job of it being a little part of an uncharted game. Um, but it feels it w- keeps you wanting more, and it never, of course, showed up because this was made in 2018, five years ago. Uh, mm. But still a nice watch if you're interested in Uncharted. And never heard of that. So anyway, that was my Uncharted d- <laughs> dive. <laughs> then after that, I decided to play Spider-Man, the Marvel Spider-Man on PS4. Oh, the uh, PS4, yeah. Amazing game. Have, uh, have so, you beat it or were you? Yeah, yeah, I'm done with it. But um, so I started playing it and like the first half, I was like, it's good. It's fine. But I mean, I'm just going through it. But yeah. then there's a part where, you know, everything changes. It's a four-year-old game or a six-year-old game. We can spoil it. Okay. I want <laughs> yeah. <want> your opinion. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a part where all the bad guys break out of the prison. And then from that point on, I mean, it's like the last third of the game. Like yeah. leading up to that, it's good, but it feels predictable at times. It's like it's, I feel like it's missing something though to me. And then when that happened, yeah, I was like, oh, yes, like, everything yeah. amped up. Like not yeah. only the action of the game and everything like that, and just being around the game, but like even the stories. <sighs> like everyone's character just got better, and that yeah. and, and the fact that I mentioned the characters being characters uh it's going to reference later and to a different game that has a lack of characters uh, but yeah and this one and <laughs> this one the characters take off so much that by the end like when when he has to make that choice about aunt may i was like oh i'm into this <laughs> yes <laughs> it was just like such a cool way to to end the story um was just showing Peter be Peter, you know, because yeah. that's the things we get from the movies that do it so well. And then it's nice to see it 
transfer over to the game and not just kind of lean on the action being like, oh, the action will get them. Um, all the cool lights and sounds will get them. But no, they're like, we got to have a strong <laughs> story behind this game as well. Um, yeah, like a hundred percent. Like once like, you know, you and then like the boss fights with the Sinister Six were, it was just like, oh, it's like, it's like, I don't think, I can't name another game where like, you know, like you said, it's fine. It's good up until that point, but you're, it's, it's kind of like an, op, it's kind of that open world syndrome. Like, okay, yes. let me go do this same thing again. And then it's just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And it's just like, oh my God. It's like, you know, and the duo boss fights, God, it was so yeah. well done. Like, yeah. so well done. And so they, much fun. there was an added challenge for the writers of this game is that most people playing it know the stories. They know who Miles Morales is. They know who Doc Ock is. So to first introduce us to a Doc Ock that's like a father figure to Peter was like, is this going to happen? You know it's going to happen, but when's it going to happen and how's it going to yeah. happen? So, you know, they got, they had to make that payoff that much more impactful. And I think mm-hmm. they did a great job with Doc Ock doing that. You could see it. They had the little, you know, the amputee arms. Like, that's what they're making, you know, for amputees. Yeah. And you're like, oh, it's the beginning of it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It's going to get know, worse. Yeah, exactly. And so you know he's going to do it at some time. But, no, it, I mean, it eventually gets there. And it it's, just does it so well. And then there's a point in the in the story where MJ gets one of the spiders lands on her. You're like, oh, is she going to be bit by the thing? And then and it's mm-hmm. up traveling, going to miles. And you're like, oh, saw that coming. And, you know, that's just setting up for another game that never showed up because that was, what, four years ago. Yeah. So well, no, the, they, they do have the sequel with Miles Morales on, like, PS5 and PS4. Oh, is that a direct sequel? I haven't played it yet. Because uh, okay. right when, like, it's one of those I'm watching to go on sale because when it came out, I wanted to get it on PS5. Obviously, now the PS5 chill, you know, uh, a few months ago. Uh, <coughs> but okay. it's supposed to, like, you know, you know, it's. I mean, it's the same city. It's like you know, so it's it's kind of like a Spider-Man, one point five, from what my understanding. You know, it's like, I mean, he's got totally new move sets and all that. All that's like different, new story and everything. But it's like, it takes place in the exact same oh, yeah. city. You know, that's I mean? the same it's, kid. So, so it's, okay, well, good. Then I. Can but it is a full game. You know, so. <laughs> yeah, I'm just waiting for, because I finished Elden Ring and now I got Evil Dead the game. So once uh kind of a, you know, a lull in playing stuff and it's you know I'm not, I will never buy a game that's still 60 bucks or 70 no, bucks on PS5 not. you know a year after you know after it's come out you know months after it's come out you know at that point I don't need to pay that much because I can just wait for it to go on sale mm-hmm. and every time it goes on sale I'm already playing something so it's like it's like oh, let me finish this oh it's not on sale anymore damn it yeah but uh yeah I'm looking you know it's, it's on my list to get to I'll add but, uh, it to mine. Um, so also what I did is I loaded up Horizon Zero Dawn because it's been on my PS4 since 2017. And I remember playing it, but I could not remember <laughs> where I left off. I remember I was in this particular town, like in the north part of the map, last mm-hmm. time I logged into it. And I was like, I have no idea what the hell's going on here. I'm just going to have to replay this game. <laughs> And so I let it sit there for a couple more years, and then I loaded it up, and I was like, okay, let's see if I ever resumed this. I loaded it up. Nope, still in that same town. So I was like, okay, clearly I haven't. So I started a new game. I started playing all the way through, um, I think I got to like level 20, 
made it to like the main city Meridian. Mm-hmm. And, um, and every time I was taking a step through this game, I was like, I remember this, I remember this, I remember this. <laughs> and you're like, and so, so I opened up a YouTube video that says, uh, horizon zero dawn, the story. And I started watching it, and I had my finger on the pause button. <laughs> I was going to yeah, pause as soon as I saw something I didn't recognize. Well, the story kept going, and I was like, I recognize this, I recognize that. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to load up. Now that I know how to play again, I'm going to load up my other <laughs> yeah, game. Yeah, that's the big thing, too. Where I'm level 50 and have all this awesome gear. And... um I was like, let's figure out what's going on here. So I resumed the story, and it turned out it was like the mission was the one that says no turning back. You know, after you accept there's no turning back. I was like, wait, I was one mission away from the end? And so I play that mission, you know, defeat the last boss, which while I'm playing, I'm thinking, oh, I remember this too. (laughs) And then it turns out after you beat the game, it says... Okay, we're going to set it back to where that one quest is, you know, (laughs) before that quest happens. I was like, oh, that's why I don't remember it. Or that's why it was such a strange thing, because it throws you back in a position where you can just go do all the other things. I'm like, I mean, I guess it makes sense story line wise, but (laughs) but now, you know, I was able to delete it from my ps4 so i can have some room more space yeah yeah but it's been there for so such a long time i was like i had to leave it there for a reason because this was yeah this was a jesse that didn't doesn't exist today i never try to go for trophies i'm like give me the story and i'm out you know um even though in spider-man i did a lot of things just because i like doing them but i really wasn't going for completion but it turned out i did quite a bit um Mm -hmm. So, lastly, the game I'm playing now, it's called Days Gone. came out in 2020. Mm, yeah, I remember you talking about you were going to start that. Yeah. Um, this game's terrible. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but let me clarify. It does do some things nicely. Uh, but as I understand it, it's like, it's, a sh- it's like an independent studio, but it's also a PlayStation-exclusive title that eventually made its way to PC. Um it does some cool things, but the the characters are awful. You, you don't like anybody. <laughs> like, there's some people I'm starting to meet now that are, like, kind of fine, but not really. But everyone's an awful person, especially the main <laughs> character. And I got to sit there and listen to him complain the whole time, like, to himself, which is me. And I'm like, just shut up. Please shut up. <laughs> While I'm playing the game, I'm just yelling that at the TV. <laughs> And so I look up this guy, and, I mean, he's an actor that's been in several things. He's a voice actor that's been in several things. He's like a CW actor, and it's fine. Mm. But what it feels like when I'm playing this game is, like, when he's talking to a person um, in, like, a cutscene, he's fine. Like, his, his vocal acting is fine. But, the, like, a lot of games, they have these... Well, I can't talk to you in person right now, so while I'm driving to the next location, does like a radio call. Or some uh, some games do it with a uh, cell phone or something like that. Well, this one does it with a radio call. And he has like a completely different voice. Like different <laughs> delivery of his voice. And I hate it because one of his friends in the thing, his name is uh, Boozer. Um, he's constantly calling him. And 
He does like waste my batteries, bro. Well, not just that. He's just doing it in a weird voice. I'm like, why aren't you talking like a normal person? Like, it, it's not because of sound, because clearly you're driving around the loudest vehicle choice you could have chose for a zombie apocalypse. You're driving around the loudest motorcycle. Or something, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like you, you don't care about the noise. <laughs> Nobody in this post-apocalyptic landscape cares about noise at all. <laughs> it's like you could have got like, um, for one, there's cars everywhere in this game. That like, if they need a roadblock, it's just a pile of cars. <laughs> yeah, so typical. Yeah, so there's all oh, these cars. We can't climb over them or go around yeah. these cars. What are we? Oh no, the zombies are coming. We're trapped. <laughs> Yeah, they just use cars as blocks, and so that doesn't make sense. But um, <laughs> so the storyline is just like feels like. Um, how long did you watch Walking Dead? To what uh, season? The last episode I watched—I'm not sure what season it was. The last episode I watched was when ne- uh, Rick slits Negan's throat, and at that point I was like, "Okay, I'm done. This is Rick." Slit- Negan's throat. I didn't even. Yeah, the last that episode, far. they're fighting, and he he like cuts him with a like a piece of stained glass. He's like still alive in the then, story, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. It's basically they they ended like the the adversarial relationship of those factions with that episode. Uh, okay. Well, let's and assume. Like, okay, that's, that's stupid. I'm out. Let's assume that was like season seven. Days Gone is it's like somewhere around there. Days Gone is like season twelve of Walking Dead. <laughs> <laughs> I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Um. <laughs> And another thing with the PS4, maybe this PS4's fault, I don't know, but um, it runs poorly. It's not optimized, Uh, especially Mm. whenever you have weather going, which if you're in a nice area, like with not a lot going on, the weather's nice. The wind's nice. The rain's nice because you're in like Oregon. And so all Mm. the landscape and everything's fine. And the graphic design is good. I like the way they lay the buttons out like... um, you know, you got to be creative in the way you, you're going to just slap a button on the screen to tell people what to do. It does it in a yeah. nice way that uh, it's like, it's a clever way that's not in your face. But if you got gotcha. these zombies horde showing up, which is a unique thing in a game. I mean, it's like you can have hundreds of zombies on the screen chasing you. And um, that plus weather plus like mm. uh, it being like, well, it doesn't really matter what time of day. It's just it slows down to like ten frames a second. I'm like, okay, yeah. I got to get out of here. <laughs> and there's nothing I can do. Too. Like, wow. Well, that I wondered that too, and I was, I was like, eight point three in the scope of games on IMDb is quite low. Because if you look hmm. up um, Uncharted, like even the first one that came out in two thousand nine. Well, not that one. <laughs> 2009 Uncharted is not the Uncharted I thought it was. Uh, Uncharted 4, for example, 9.5. Like, wow. Typically, people just throw 10s at video games, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, not that you go to IMDb for video game scores anyway. No, but. you don't. But um, it's just, yeah, an example. <sighs> I want it to be better, and I think it's starting to. Um. Uh, Another complaint I had is that the tutorials last way too long. Uh, I was play- I was playing through it, and um, the way they lay out storylines is really really bad too. They don't have like a, just a cohesive story you're going through. Like uh, Spider Man, being an open world game, had a cohesive story. 
that I could follow. Mm-hmm. In this one, the way they do it is they have, they call them storylines, but they each have their own missions. So you select which storyline you want to do, and then you select missions with, from underneath it. But then eventually mm-hmm. it ends, and it forces you to go down some other storylines. But it doesn't really end. It wants you to do the other things before you earn, before the radio calls and says, hey, remember that thing uh, you were doing earlier? Well, so-and-so happened, and now you can go check it out. Wow. So it's like, I want to learn about this. Let me learn about this. But chances are it's probably like in a sealed-off area. Like Think like Grand Theft Auto. Like Grand Theft Auto 4, they had different parts of the city that opened up as you went along. And, and they do that in Days Gone as well. Um, whereas Spider-Man, the whole city was open to you right from the start. Yeah, you're in the, you live in the yeah. city. Spider-Man lives in the city. Go. Yeah, don't put some invisible wall up. <laughs> that somehow gets cleared off later to where I can go. <laughs> it's like you're, you know, it's like it's that video game trope. You know, you're Spider Man, but like, oh, sorry, Spider Man, streets closed. Yeah. What does that matter to Spider Man? Like, yes, officer. <laughs> it's just things that are put in there for control that aren't fun. And when it comes to yeah. designing a game, number one should be, is this fun? <sighs> and a lot of the times, it's just not fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's more of the same. If you want to play Horizon, but not as good, you could play that. Oh, except in Horizon, I think you sw- you can swim in Horizon, right? You can't swim in this. Yeah, game. now you can. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's so stupid. Yeah, so you like, go in the water, like, and it gives you like three seconds to turn around. And you're like, oh, I just realized I can't swim, and then you just die. <laughs> so stupid. It's like uh, Assassin's Creed. Like I remember, uh, I think part two is when they have. Like we were in Venice when you were in Italy, you know, it's like you fall in the water, you die. Like this dude can like scale rooftops in five seconds, you know, with handholds that are a centimeter wide and, but he can't swim. I think that would have been nice if they made a note that this guy can swim like some sort of thing. Um, but they don't, but yeah, I was killed by a shark. So I don't go in the water and never learn how to swim. Yeah. Or something. I mean, just make it part of the storyline that he can't swim. Cause in the story, there's a part where you got to, like, uh, get a hydro dam working again. But you can't swim, so you got to bring somebody else that can. <laughs> but they don't. They had the opportunity to say, like, oh, I hate swimming. They didn't, do, yeah. they didn't take it. They wanted to keep make him kind of feel and look like a badass. Because, yeah, he's just such a grumpy mood the whole time. And understandable, <laughs> understandable to a degree. Because yeah. this is, like, two years after everything went down. I mean, they explained this right at the beginning. His wife gets injured right at the start of this thing. And so he puts her on a helicopter, uh, this government helicopter. They're heading to a uh, to a site that's uh, quarantined, uh, you know, safe site for her to get healthy. Mm-hmm. That's the last time he ever sees her. He goes to the site later in the story and finds out it's all it was like destroyed like that week. Uh, wow. and, and you only gather that like through them just telling you because a lot mm. of it's like you're supposed to just assume this stuff happened. I don't know. Uh, so the whole time he's just in this grumpy mood. And he's <laughs> <laughs> unlikable. He's just very unlikable. He's constantly just being a dick to everybody. Um, I don't know. I'm tired of hearing his voice. And he's played <laughs> by uh, Sam Witwer. Who's been in many things? Um, 
Oh wait, he he looks familiar. What yeah, have I seen him? he was in Solo. He played Maul. Um, it must be the, it must have been the voice. Yeah, voice of Darth Maul. Yeah, yeah, voice of Darth Maul. He's been in. He, he was in a lot of CW shows. I think. Oh, Riverdale I or. I saw it. It was a Force Unleashed. He must have. They must have scanned him in for the main character, like his real appearance for the main character. Yeah, it's the same that's where, for. That's um, I recognize him from as the as a character from Force Unleashed. For Days Gone, you could kind of. He's kind of in this too, but um, yeah, I'm just I'm trying to get to the point, kind of like in Spider Man, in the second half where it just like amps up. I'm waiting for this to amp up. I would really like it to amp up. (laughs) But as I'm going through these, uh, I'm getting these trophies for like, you know, clearing out a certain region and stuff like that. And I'm noticing these percentages. They're very low. And I was like, Uh uh-oh. A lot more people quit than I did. Uh, And the fact that this is an 8.3 on the scale of IMDb giving games... um, I don't know what's a mid-tier game you could think of. Um, uh, I, I was guess I was leaning back to look at my games. And I was like, wait a second, I don't even have mid-tier games, so I don't know. Right? Yeah. Uh, I mean the the story lot, not the story, just the um, world interests me. Like, oh, this this could be something. I mean, sure, it's overdone, but um, yeah, it could happen. But uh, Zero Dawn nine point one. Um, I'm trying to think of games like it. I mean, Spider-Man. Um, oh, what was the game called? Marvel Spider-Man, I think. I guess just yeah, Marvel Spider-Man. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Yeah. Um, Nine point two. Oh wow, <laughs> even better. But you know, some of the Marvel people show up and do their <laughs> thing to that. But I don't. It's it's not great. I wish it was better. You might have just cut your losses. <laughs> I thought about quitting because I want to get to these some other games like I want to get this Ghost of Tsushima Um, I'll tell you right now that game is amazing 110% yeah that's the next one on my list Um, but it's kind of the same thing like as far as like isn't it open world and you're walking around doing stuff yeah yeah so it's kind of the same you're on the island of uh, Tsushima the whole time except in the DLC Okay. Which I would recommend too if you're playing the game. But uh, yeah, I mean, Ghosts of, I mean, I, I, I'm a mark for. I love samurai films. I mean, it captures the scope, the epicness, and and I, I mean, I played that one on PS4. Not did you do you have a PS4 Pro or a regular PS4? I just a regular PS4. Okay, because on the Pro it ran fine. It was gorgeous. I mean, comparable to honestly some of these first gen PS5 games. To be honest with you, uh, I mean, so there's sure parts you, in some of these games like I think so far Uncharted 4 has looked the best. Um, mm. and it ran great. And that's what confuses me about Zero Dawn. I mean, not Zero Dawn. Um, Days Gone. I, I don't know. Maybe they were just... And plus, I think that's a... I think that's also like a first-party title. So usually, you know, first-party ones are ten, tend to, you know, know the hardware better and run better. Well, Uncharted, yeah. But uh, Days Gone, I think, was done by... Uh, it was done by a notable person, but I think the studio was not a super oh, well-known okay. I thought it was studio. first-party. Um, but it's just funny cause they call it days gone and that's kind of what the player experiences. 
just all the days gone you, you lose playing this yeah, game. spending on this game we can always you know turn the voice the the language like spanish or french and just have subtitles on you don't have to deal with that voice actor anymore oh good point you think that's built in a lot of games i mean i, I see a lot of games with it like i think uh elden ring had like you know french or span you know most games usually have at least one or two uh, options these days. Usually, what I know I, all Ubisoft games do because they're made in, like usually with French and American, uh, made in Canada or France. Usually, I usually just fire up a podcast like '80s revisited and just uh, and play that while <laughs> this is playing. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you plug our show within the show. Yeah. Now I didn't do that with the other games. The other games I didn't play some other podcast. But yeah, the last three times I sat down to play this, I just put on a podcast and played this game. <laughs> That's like there's a, like an Elden Ring. Like once I beat it and didn't need to like need necessarily hear anything, you know, I'd listen to like oh the new uh, Florence and the Machine album came out. Oh, let me listen to that while I'm playing, you know, or kind of multitasking at, at certain points. So hmm. you're just grinding, you know. Uh, I love like putting on a podcast or music while I'm just grinding in an RPG or something where you don't need the sound or yeah. the dial or, or pay attention necessarily. So that's always a good thing. But it's yeah, the, the characters. <laughs> I just wish the characters were better. I mean, that's all. Um, you know, this, this guy, this, oh, his name's Deacon St. John is his name. What a total video game lead character name, you know? Deacon. I'm tired of people saying that word. Deacon. Hey, Deacon. (laughs) Oh, God. Hey, Deacon. Deke, what are you doing? And like when it's at night and he's alone, he just stares at a picture of his dead wife. (laughs) (laughs) So melodramatic. Come on. Like, you know, I mean... Uh. If you do stuff to where it's tropical and you do it well, I'm fine with it. But the way you're describing it, I, just, I can just see how it's like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's just not it just done seems- well. That's the issue. It's not written mm-hmm. well. Um, there's, I really like the graphic design. Like, I'm going through menus right now. Like, I like the way that looks. Mm-hmm. I like the font choices and everything. But I shouldn't pick yeah, up a game and choose it because of font choices. <laughs> yeah, I don't think... <laughs> That shouldn't be the thing I say about it, but um, <coughs> but yeah, he's just a big grump, so it's annoying to hang out with him. <laughs> uh, I can make or break your game. Yep. I mean, I got to hang out with. I mean, this is the guy that I get to have to listen to the whole time, and it's changing yes. voice is kind of annoying too. Like I know it's the same guy. It's just like he waited a year, then they're like, hey. Can you come back in the studio? We're going to add uh, this walkie-talkie system. He's like, can I listen to the voice I did? No, 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 no. <laughs> no, just come in and just kind of guess at it. Here, we'll show you a picture of the guy at yeah. least. And he's like, all right. <laughs> then he does like a version of him. And, you know, like, because I talk to my brother all the time. Like, oh, why don't, you know, when Call of Duty, you know, it's kind of stale, you know, to me, a cat, you know, a story. Well, why don't you try this? Oh, you can't because game design doesn't work. And I'm like, why not do something different? You know, there's, it seems to me there's no, you know, the games that are coming out that are different are the ones doing different things. You know, same thing with, you know, if you, I think these creative types get stuck yes. in like, this is what works. Yeah. You know, you, oh, you can't, you know, you can't do a story like this. Well, there, uh, you know, you have to have, you know, good guys win. We'll go watch Arlington Road. And that movie is amazing because mm-hmm. it bucks the trend, you know. You gotta have some things that don't follow the the code, or you know, or utilize that is guilty to your advantage. You know, yeah, this one follows it like too much. It's just like we want GTA in the woods. You know, we want (laughs) to. I mean, I mean, didn't they kind of 
popularize that open world. Here's a quest there, quest there. Otherwise, you could do whatever you yeah, want. GTA Cat Three uh, is pretty much the genesis and, of that. And also, back the old PS1, Spider-Man had an open world um, back in the day. Was that the PS2 Spider-Man or something like that? I believe so. Yeah. So I know the PS1 one had like big yellow walls of clouds that would block you in. <laughs> well, whoever originated it's on it. PlayStation One. I mean, you've unleashed a monster. You've unleashed a horde of yeah. zombies <laughs> that just aren't well, as good. Is, you know, what's like you know, open world like Elden Ring. It's open world, but I mean, there's this. You know, when you look on the map, there's this huge area on top of a plateau. Like, obviously, I can't get there. That's fine. You mm-hmm. know. Until I discover how to activate this lift, you know, you find out there's secret un- like underground places, you know, but it's all completely logical, right? You know, it's it is open, but you know, it's just just like you know, if I our reality, I can't go next door and loot the next door house because I don't have a key, you know, and I don't want to increase my wanted ranking ranking by knocking their door down and robbing, you know, legitimately robbing them, you know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. you know, and then. Uh, like Spider-Man, I mean, it turns you loot. That's the thing. Like open-world games that are done right work. Like Ghost of Tsushima, uh, like you be, like you get health. You know, there's different things. It's it's very well done for open world. You'll you will love it, and it's mm-hmm. gorgeous. The story is great. The combat are is the motorcycles in it. No, you have a horse. In fact, uh, you have to refuel the horse like every five minutes. <laughs> What's wrong, Kage? Need. Need hay. Need hay. <laughs> Your horse is tired. Give it some hay so you can keep going. Because, yeah, on the way to every mission in this game, you better find a gas station or something. See, that's uh, like that's so artificially induced in a game. Yeah. Because, you know, a car can drive um, you know, for eight hours, six hours without getting gas if it's full. I don't ride I'm motorcycles. Sure a motorcycle can probably drive longer. But, yeah, exactly. It's way less weight. But, no, apparently these are the heaviest motorcycles and eat up the most gas because you got to <laughs> stop and find gas all the time. And it's it's such a crutch of this game that they know it. They should have reduced it. But no, what they did instead well, is... Yeah, because when you run low on gas, all of a sudden your mini-map becomes just pointing out all the gas cans nearby. So all of a sudden, you develop this ability to smell gas from miles away. <laughs> <laughs> so at least you know where to go find it and so when you That's do so find weird. it you you can find it like either at gas stations or you can actually find like just a random uh you know five gallon thing and it stays full it's full every time you never find an empty mm-hmm. gas can which is kind of nice but how logical is that like in fact there was yeah. one time where i i had one I had to go fill up a generator and fill up my motorcycle, but I just took this one around, filled up, <laughs> filled up both the things, no problem. And you know, it's just going to have unlimited gas in these things. And mm-hmm. uh, there's there's a lot of need for gas in this game, and it's amazing. That's that, I can't see. <laughs> there's gas still around now. I I could draw some lines and say like, hell yeah, all the people are dead. They don't need gas. So the few people that are left, they have all this gas left over. I don't know. Gas doesn't last forever. It's been two years since this thing started, yeah. which is right when gas starts to go bad. But well, there, um, there it is, Jesse. You know, the gas is all bad. The the ethanol <laughs> ranking is too low, so the combustion is slow. So you go through it twenty <laughs> times faster. <laughs> I mean, at the that's rate they're driving around a, these motorcycles, though. Yeah, yeah. And I was watching laziness. one video saying like, I kind of like the gas 
because it takes you off your path. And then you start to discover oh. other things. I'm like, no. No, no, no. <laughs> that is just like, okay, look, I've talked about it before. Breath of the Wild, you know, people people suck the, the dick of the Zelda franchise every time a new one comes out. But I'm sorry, if you praise that game for how fast your goddamn weapons break, you're, a, you're full <laughs> yes. of shit. That's because a very good comparison. I'm, that is, no. Oh, Zelda did it, so it's great. Ze- that game series gets such a pass for doing for making a, for updating the game making a Zelda game that is you know just on the bare level with modern games and it being praised as oh it's the new Zelda it's great did i enjoy it yeah but it's not like this fucking you know it's not the Jesus of video games that every time a new one comes out you just got to you know bow down and worship it it's ugh. <laughs> like i i love Zelda games but i hate the franchise because of the the false legacy it has of being so you know yeah of, the modern ones. I mean, that's again personal opinion. If you like them, not t- not talking shit, just my opinion. But you know, people. But the same thing, like like you were saying, people praising the gas mechanic. You telling it to me like makes me like not ever want to touch this game. And it's free <laughs> on PlayStation. I think if you if you had the PS, you know, if you got it when it was free for the monthly subscription. Wow. And it's like, you know, but see, we're like, oh, I love how you have to switch weapons and Zelda. No, no, you don't. No, <laughs> you do not. You are a liar. Because if any other, you know, if another game came out with that mechanic, you'd be pissed off about it. Yep. Go keep repairing my weapon. Oh, oh, oh! Did you play Breath of the Wild? Greatest game ever made. Oh, really? Gotcha. Let me take that little link dick out of your mouth, and so you can speak clearly. Now but it's like, great you know, I mean, whenever a reputable franchise keeps oh, yeah, up the reputa- the reputation, like like the new Mario Kart. I mean that. It's lived on for several, several years. Um, just trying to keep it in the Nintendo realm. Um, yeah. But, I mean, GTA. GTA 5 is Skyrim. It's just like, it, yeah, they can do things well and keep making it better. But, mm-hmm. uh, it, yeah, it felt like a big step backwards well, keeping something like, like that it's, in. It's such a trope in anything zombie-related, like, you know? Yeah. Oh, oh! I only got four bullets and a half a can of gas. Well, yeah. And, well, you know what's more important than bullets and gas? Probably food. You know. <laughs> uh, I don't. Know. I mean, it's, that's a whole can of worms. We could go on for hours about that. You know, but it's just yeah. And make, so, like, make it. Ah, oh, it's just it pisses me off. Like your people, these for people making games. But I'll tell you right now, like because again, my brother works for Call. Of Duty. He works on the story, and he busts his ass making the single player Call of Duty as be- as good as it can be. And I play Call of Duty, but that's I, the best I, part. Again, I'm mainly like, exa- exactly, <laughs> exactly. The multiplayer is it's it's static. I mean, what? It, I mean, oh, Call of Duty's got the best. Well, guess what? It ripped off uh, the you know Warzone. Fun, love it. Well done. Don't get me wrong, but hey, it's battle royale, and we all know where that started a couple years ago. And now every goddamn game has mm-hmm. a battle royale mode, which I'm not complaining. I do like that mode, but you know. Sometimes you just want to play a good six-on-six death match in a tight quarter, close quarters area, yeah. you know. But, but but the Call of Duty franchise is where it is because of the multiplayer, which is a shame, in my opinion, uh, because the single, aside from the one in space, which uh, I know the guy who wrote it, uh, he's a he's a nice guy. Nothing against him, but that story was. I, I was playing it with Autumn. I'm like Autumn. I get. I'm going to go in this room, and this is going to happen. And guess what happened? <laughs> exactly what I said. And, and I'm not saying that, oh, Trey, oh, you think you know everything. No. If you watch movies like we do, we, we do here at the podcast, if, you're, you know, if, you, if we, we know how things, when you know how things work, you can see, you know, you can see behind the curtain for things, mm-hmm. which is 
it's it, you know it's 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 a curse you know that's yeah. why I like when we watch when i watch a movie that makes me forget about that i'm gonna heap more praise on that movie because it made me not like oh I'm, I'm staring at Benedict Cumberbatch the whole time. It's, you know, I don't, I'm sorry, I got Doctor. Str- I haven't seen new Doctor Strange. That's just on my mind to give you an example. You know, yeah, to give everybody an example. You know, a, a uh, show that does that very well is Barry. I don't know if you're watching Barry on HBO. Is that the one with uh, Jack Black or no, 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 uh, with uh, Bill Hader? Okay, now uh, I've heard about it, haven't watched it. The writing in that show is exactly what you're talking about. Like they set mm. up this moment, you're thinking. Oh, this is what the whole season's going to be about. But that episode, ten minutes later, that thing's solved, and they're on to the next thing. <laughs> I'm like, oh, see, okay. That is, <laughs> see, that is smart, brilliant <laughs> filmmaking that people are too afraid to do in all forms of media these days. Yeah. Uh, for example, the new Scream movie. There's a great sequence in it where this, you know, where they play on the horror tropes, where they play on it to where you got to stop guessing because you, now you don't know. Mm-hmm. But, but that's also a telltale sign to how far we have to go to make people think that. Because I'm watching it like it, – it, I can describe it, and most people, and especially you, Jesse, I know will know what I'm talking about. Like he goes to get something out of the fridge. So where's the camera set up? It's In facing to where the direction of the door is opening. <laughs> yep. you know? So he's standing there. He opens the door, and what does the, the fridge door cover? The opening behind him. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, of course, I know he's not going to be there. It's the first time they're doing this. He's not going to be there. Of course, Ghostface isn't there. Then he goes to the pantry. Same thing, like, they're not going to do this one. That's too on the nose to do it the second time. And then, like, third time? Okay, they're doing the shot. Okay, it's, and I'm like, here it comes. No. Fourth time? No. Finally, it happened. You know, they but they, they had to go <laughs> to five or six fake-outs to know. get the audience. Because yeah. yeah, they knew that people are going to expect this. Like, so, but they made me, like, have to wait for it to where yeah. I was unsure. That's it, a it, fun it, way to uh, circumvent exactly. expectations. And there you go. Days Gone just falls right into expectations, but does it in a poor way. Mm-hmm. And, and again, it's uh, fine to do that. It's fine to fall into expectations if you do it well. Yeah. But if you do it half-assed, like blaming, you know, oh, yeah, we have this really – I guarantee you the people who made that game have – there's probably an interview we could find. Like, we have this really cool gas mechanic because, I mean, after all, it's a zombie apocalypse. I mean, gas stations aren't open, right? So <laughs> the way you got to find gas in the game I think is really unique for this – for the open world genre. No, it isn't. It's like, what no, you're it's me, just more stuff I have to do. <laughs> that's not fun. Right. Ghost of Tsushima, for example, open world – you know, there are things that when I see, when I'm riding around and the fog of war is lifting and I see the icon for one of the activities I like, hell yeah, I, boom, I'm going there. Yeah. You know, uh, for, for example, Ghost of Tsushima, uh, there's certain, there's places that are incredibly beautiful to your character that inspire you to want to write a poem, a haiku. Mm. Sounds fucking stupid to like most people. <laughs> but, but, but it's, it's one of the, it's, it's one of the, you know, A, I, lo- I love samurai. You know, I like that. Cult. I love I love Asian cinema. I love Asian culture. Uh, samurai history is a favorite of mine. They weren't they were not knights. People samurais were not necessarily good guys. You know, there's a romanticized version of them, much like we, you know, the West, the cowboy in American culture is very romanticized. Same thing with the samurai. Yeah. And that's been history talk here on Asia Visited. <laughs> uh, but anyway, but, you know, like you have to pick like, I mean, it's it's you, you'll see what I'm saying when you get there. But it's very simple, like. You know, Jen looks at the sky and it's and it shows like the moon, stars, and a cloud. And each one has like a saying like the bright light at night, or you know, 
the uh, the invading darkness when it's on a cloud or like the hints of light in the great blackness is the line for the stars. You pick the lines of the haiku. So you're technically writing it. I mean, you're picking it from nine different variables for three yeah. lines of a haiku. But I found it like I wanted to make a damn good poem how I was feeling <laughs> yeah. when I was playing the game. You know, I never would have I never would have guessed that in a game, but it sure enough made me do it. Like, yeah. I, I, w- I wish the game would let you go back and look at your haiku just so I could be like, that was a good one. Good job, Trey. Good haiku. <laughs> and that br- reminds me of like board games. Board games are way – it's way more likely in a board game you're going to find a weird theme. And and that's okay because like one of the biggest games a few years ago is about bird watching, you know, yeah. And it's selling over millions of copies. Um, who would have thought? Who would have thought? Yeah. So I mean, to be out there just a little bit, stop diving into the tropes of, oh, we're gonna have this guy fighting zombies. It's yep. I don't know. And then a few it's other the little that- things is like the character model is, mm, it's it's not good. Like if you're standing beside like an item to go pick it up. His complete body is motionless, and just his arm moves over and picks up the thing. <laughs> like, Again, that's la- that, is, that is laziness. That is, there's no excuse for a modern game to have animation like that in this yeah. day and age. No. He doesn't no, even no, look no, at no. it. His arm just reaches over there, grabs it, <laughs> and nothing else moves. And it happens a lot. You're describing it. I can literally <laughs> see that animation, like you know, from a PlayStation, from Siphon Filter and PlayStation One, or you know, some oh, PlayStation said Siphon Two. Filter? Lazy. Well, guess what the person who made this game, um, he made Siphon Filter. Well, okay, hold up. Siphon Filter <laughs> is an amazing Oh, he's a writer game. of Siphon Filter. So okay. Siphon Filter, I mean, this was – the last game he made before this was in t- 2011 and then finally wrote Days Gone. So, oh, he pretty much did the whole rusty. Siphon Filter franchise. Yeah, pretty much did the whole Siphon Filter thing. No, as, I'm not going to write Siphon Filter – under like yeah, underrated, I, there's, I, gotta, I, gotta, I gotta mention two things about Siphon Filter because it's been brought up now, and I you can never <laughs> talk about this game. I'll talk about mentioning these. First off, it has some of the greatest like the main character is Gabe. Uh, scroll down, it's Gabe something. Gabriel Logan. Yeah, Gabriel. <laughs> but he it, it, Siphon Filter came he can out to sing compete. John and Gabriel Logan. <laughs> <laughs> it came out to compete with like Metal Gear and everything. Yeah, it you know, looks like so, it. So Gabe Gabe Logan is like, hey, it's me, Gabriel Logan. But like the, there, it has some of the worst dialogue. But like it, it, it became like a trope for the series. <laughs> it, you know, but it's it, uh, trust me, I, I'm telling you, it's bad, but it works in the game. It make it gives the game its personality. Yeah, in, but, the, in a way, kind of like how Resident Evil does. You know, like since you, the master of unlocking, you know, that's that's become a, a, a even though we know it's bad, even though not in the modern uh, Resident Evils. You know, that was always a, it was always there. <laughs> But uh, like you know, he's he breaks into this government facility, and, like he's talking to his support in his headphone, you know, and he's like, "Gabe, you have to get out of there. Try disguising your, you know, they're telling you what to do. Like disguise yourself as a scientist." He's like, "Don't worry, there's a lab coat here. Looks like it's my size. Like just like blatant, <laughs> like tongue in cheek. It's, it's delivered. You have to watch. Yeah, I can't, I, I can't do it justice. But it, it's just horrible lines. But the, the iconic thing about Siphon Filter." There is a stun gun in the game. And by stun gun, I mean like a taser, excuse me. It is the most OP weapon in the game. <laughs> and it, I mean, it just shoots out, you know, it just shoots out the little thing and it connects to them. But the thing is, you ho- when you push it and you connect with them, you hold it down. And it keeps electrocuting them until they burst into flames. <laughs> and the enemies scream. They're going, they're going, Ugh! and then when they burst into flames, they're like, Ugh! it is the most. 
terrible weapon in any game in terms of like, I would not want to get shot with this thing. But it like you can get through the game with no ammo, just like tasing people till they die. It's genius. It's so much fun. It's again, it's it's a B series. It's like it's like the it's almost like the Evil Dead of video games in terms of like you know it's it's kind of a B level, even though I think it, Evil Dead and the whole series is A level. But you know what I'm saying? It's kind of like it's something that they try to do kind of on the cheap, but they did it well for what they did, and it made it iconic. It's the uh, it's the uh, it's not Armageddon. It's the other one. <laughs> <laughs> what was Elijah Wood in it? What's that called? Yeah. Uh, shit. Yeah. Uh, I know what I mean. I know what but uh, yeah, anyway, <laughs> this is uh, video games revisited here on Eighties Visitor. Podcast. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I've been revisiting right. a bunch of them. We got shit to talk about. This is the Back to the Future segment. But um, yeah, so you've been busy. That's a that's some long games to go through, and you've well, seen gone through them pretty yeah. quick. <laughs> well, because yeah, I just been uh. In veg mode. Eventually, I gotta get back into uh, you know living, but uh, <laughs> one of these days. But yeah, Ghost of Tsushima, highest possible recommendation. Deep one impact. Of the best game That's the one. of all time. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. But uh, I, I knew I have been playing a game. I mentioned last week I finished Elden Ring just right. in time because Evil Dead the game has come out, and of course in these back to the future segments a couple years ago when the Friday the 13th came out game came out I praised how amazing it was how it nailed the movie nailed the aesthetic I loved it warts and all Evil Dead the game is a spiritual successor to Friday the 13th uh by the same people I th- no uh oh, different studio boss level games I think is the ones that did this and Saber mm. or something like that the team that did the original Friday the 13th are working on the new upcoming Texas Chainsaw Massacre game but much like how Fortnite ripped off player unknown and and you know yeah. basically left it in the dust by taking that formula and making it top tier and better yeah Evil Dead did that with Friday the 13th mm. not not no shade no not being you know Friday Thirteenth was an independent Kickstarter made game. It wasn't a AAA game. This is a AAA game. I mean, it looked, they got the license. I mean, but much like Friday the Thirteenth, the game it was done by people who love this series. The attention to detail, the in jokes, and the levels. This game was made by Evil Dead fans, mm. and that's the key. That's why Friday Thirteenth, the game was so great because, in my opinion, the, when you play that game, it is like you're in a Friday the Thirteenth movie. Like I, you know, playing that game tells you, lets you know if you would survive one of those movies or not. <laughs> uh, Evil Dead. Now, the biggest difference, and this is now, I've logged, I played Friday the Thirteenth game a, a ridiculous amount of time. Like literally, you know, once the support died, I still I continued playing it, but eventually, you know, other games came out, so I haven't played it in a long time. I tried Dead by Daylight, which a lot of people think is the greatest horror game ever made. I despise that game. Mm-hmm. Let me phrase that. I don't despise it, but compared to Friday the 13th, that game sucks. Right. And that's a that's a hot take, I know. But uh, in a nutshell, and Dead by Dawn, Dead by Daylight, <laughs> Dead by Dawn. Uh, that's the that DLC. I'm sure that'll be coming out. <laughs> but anyway, Dead by Daylight. You know, it's the same match every single time. And by that, right. I mean you got to go activate generators and watch out for the killer, and then you got to run to the exit every single game. Friday the 13th. All you had it was a survival game. You had to survive, Jason. You didn't have to kill him. You just had to survive. And there was, you could radio the cops and escape with the police. You could survive to the time limit. You could, in fact, kill Jason, but it required teamwork. Um, you could, uh, let's see, it seems like I'm missing another way to escape. Uh, but, you know, you could, I would play that game and just be a lone wolf and win consistently because I knew how to play the game. 
Now, of course, you have bad luck. You spawn right by Jay. You know, it, 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 everything's random in it. Item placement, where Jason spawns, where you spawn. You know, sometimes you happen to spawn in the house with the fuse. Jason knows where the fuse is. Most Jason players goes to goes to start the match by booby trapping the fuse, and they know you're in the house. So you can't. You, you know, I would die in the first five minutes sometimes. It happens. But in Friday the Thirteenth, the game. You know, if Jason wrecked the car, I you know it's not the end of the game. I can still win. I can still survive, and you know, survive and be and basically win. Mm. You know, not die. Uh, Evil Dead the game. It's a, it's basically a, more of a blend of Friday the Thirteenth and Dead by Daylight. There is only one way to win as survivors. Uh, it starts off you have to find three pieces of the map, and the map have the location of the Kendarian dagger and the pages of the Necronomicon. So you have to find three things, and it tells you where to find it. it says, one of them is in this location. So you have to go find the piece of the map in that location, and you got to find the other two. And then you have two, like, kind of capture and defend points that are the dagger and the uh, the pages. So you have to, like, hold each one of them for a couple minutes. And then once you get both the dagger and the book, then you have to defeat the dark ones and seal the Necronomicon. So you got to go to where the dark ones are, which it shows you that, shows you that on the map. And you have to, like, attack them enough to where they're defeated, and the Necronomicon appears, and it's a final, like, defend the Necronomicon while the spell is activated. And then when that happens, you win. But of course, another player is playing as the demons. Mm. And uh, one, of the, one of the coolest things, again, it, it nails how an Evil Dead uh, game should feel if you're a fan of the movie. Yeah. Quick sip. So are there multiple bad guys? Uh, yeah, you can be either. It, 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 this covers, the, this runs the gamut from Evil Dead, the OG, to the series, Ash versus Evil Dead. So in the villains, you can be you can be um, Henrietta, the you know the, the girl, the monster in the cellar, the one where he's like, "I'll swallow your soul," and Evil Dead too, "I'll swallow your soul, I'll swallow your soul, swallow this." You know the big naked, you know old granny naked. <laughs> There's titties in this, and they're undead titties. They're not pretty. Um, or you can be the uh, Elios. I can't remember the name of it from the TV show, but it's the one that like teleports and looks really creepy. And the third one is Evil Ash from Army of Darkness, and. You know, when you're Henrietta, you spawn more like traditional deadites, you know, possessed humans. When you're the Elagos, you spawn like, you know, demonic looking creatures. You know, it's, and when you're at, uh, Evil Ash from Army of Darkness, you spawn the skeletons from Army of Darkness. So it's great. Oh, uh, but cool. the, game, the game nails the feel of the movie, much like Friday the 13th did. But however, my only complaint with it is, is that there is only one way to win. Uh, you know, mm. you you absolutely have to have a team in this game. That's the you know, uh, like I said, Friday Thirteenth. I could survive by myself consistently because I knew how to play the game. I knew, I knew how to play. I knew what to do. I knew the mechanics of the game. I knew how to elude Jason. You know, oh, I got one minute left, and Jason is following me. I can survive for one minute with nothing in my inventory to you know by playing smart. In this game. Um, Oh, oh, I was leading to it. I, I didn't get to it. But uh, you have a fear meter. Let me take another sip because my voice is, is yeah. leaving me. <laughs> Dead by dawn. Okay. Okay. Let me, let me get through this real quick. <laughs> it's getting quicker between getting hoarse. But anyway, uh, you have a fear meter. If your fear meter gets to a certain point based on your character, you the, the demon player can possess you, which is perfect for Evil Dead. And like literally you're playing and all of a sudden you're like – and it's like, you are possessed. And like, they start shooting your teammates, attacking your teammates. It's great. It's a band. It's a brilliant mechanic that is perfect for the series. You know, you can't do that in the Halloween game. You can't do that in the Jason game unless you're doing, uh, you know, uh, Jason goes to hell where the worm 
pops out of people's mouths and stuff. So it, it's a fantastic mechanic that works in the game. Uh, but like I said, my only complaint, and it, it doesn't affect my enjoyment of the game, but I mean, you know, there have been times where, you know, I play support in the game. I play Cheryl. She's the girl from the first game, but she like drops an AOE heal. So like, I'm the one keeping people alive that don't know how to play the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, again, I love, but I love that role uh, in the game. But, you know, like there, there are matches where like I'm number one in the group, not because of healing, but because I have the most kills, the most headshots, the most time on, t- on objective. And that should never be because I'm the support class. Uh, the hunter class, the leadership class, the warrior class, they should be rack- They should have the most kills because they deal more damage or tougher, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like the weakest male. I'm the weakest attacker, <laughs> you know, like as a support, which I'm fine with because I, in games like this, I'm going to keep everybody alive, you know, uh, in, in, in this situation. I, I, I just I absolutely love that's the funnest role for me to play. But I mean, when you play somebody who's good with the demon, they see me that I'm the support and they're coming after me. And I'm like, guys, she's, you know, I, the, the boss is on me. The boss is on me. And like, you know, nobody uses a mic. Half, 90% of people yeah. don't use a mic on online gaming for some reason. Uh, and, it's, and like, you know, I'm watching, you know, Warrior Ash from Army of Darkness, you know, just sitting in the house looting it. I'm like, <laughs> we're on the object. I'm on the objective. We got to get the objective or we're going to lose. Like, you know, come keep the boss off of me, you know, or like, hey, this person's down. You're the male, you're the defender character. You're the warrior. You keep you kill the skeletons. Let me raise him. But people just want to like you know. Oh, if I if I get the most raises in the match, I get more points. Like, yeah, that's true. But you're the warrior. You're supposed to have the most kills, the most headshots. You know that kind of thing. You're not supposed to have the most healing. That's my job. You know. So there are roles in the game. <laughs> what it does, and the thing is, this does have RPG aspects to it because your characters have different stats. But during the game, you can find chests, and you can you know you can give yourself more fear resistance with these certain items that you get. So you can while you're playing, you can kind of fill in your character's weak spots or uh, increase what you're already good at to be more effective. It's a, it's incredibly well done. It's gorgeous. It looks, nails looks the great. feel of Evil Dead. It's so much fun. But like I told our good friend Ben uh, Wyatt when he asked me about it, this gameplay is not for everybody. This is an online team game for, you know, if you want to play by yourself and just be the demon, that's all you, you got it made. You're playing by yourself. Uh, now, single player, they have five missions. Uh, and I'll tell you right now, mission three and mission five are as hard as anything that was in Elden Ring. Not fucking joking. Wow. I was like getting pissed off. Like, but on the flip side, once you learn how to do the mission, it's easy. So, it, it, you know, it's that kind of, the thing is, there's no checkpoints. So you spend 20 minutes, 30 minutes on the mission getting to the end, and then they spring a double boss fight on you. You're, you know, it's, it's, it's rage-inducing. Mm. Uh, I, I, you know, ooh, get good. I, yeah, I understand that. And I did beat it. I beat all the missions. <laughs> I understand that. However, in this day and age, you know, come on. Checkpoints are, you know, when you got a kid, you know, you're not, when, the older, and all you little young gamers, God, my, we got to wrap <laughs> this up. Sorry, everybody. Water is not doing anything. It might point of the no return. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you young gamers. It did. It did. But, uh, <laughs> you, know, you know, that's fine. But, you know, this day and age, people are busy. We need checkpoints. Uh, just yeah. for, you know, if I can get to this part, obviously I can get this part again. Just give me a checkpoint so I don't have to get frustrated or mad at the game. You know, not every game, you know, I understand. But this game, if you're 
mission is 30 minutes long, you damn well better at least have a mid-mission checkpoint. That's yeah. just convenient and good design to keep the player happy. So you have That's to restart completely if you die? In the single-player missions, you do. Oh, it's like a okay. one-ended gun I gotcha, thing. I got gotcha. In multiplayer, when you die, uh, first of all, you go bleeding out. They can you know, pick you back up, and you get a little heal. You're fine. Uh, but you can die, and they got to save your soul, which is a direct reference to Evil Dead 2, where like your soul was like floating above your body. They can pick it up. And on this video we're watching, there's these little shell-looking things on the map. You can bring people whose souls you're carrying there and res them. Mm. But there are points where like you can be completely dead. You know, yeah. there is. But like I said, two th- two really good people might be able to pull it off. Uh, I played in a match the other night where it was uh, me. I'm level 16 as Cheryl. And then it was like a level 25, which is the max per character. Uh, Ash, I stuck with him. And we got, you know, we were the ones carrying that. We won the game, me and him, basically. So basically just me and him. I mean, they, they kind of helped out, but they didn't do anything. You know, they were getting killed. We had to keep raising them, which is fine. You know, I don't mind helping people are learning the game. But then you, I play matches where people don't understand at all and are just being stupid. You know, like, for example, there's a... Uh, the person as a demon can't see you until they find you. But if you fire your guns, if you get in a car, they can hear that so they can find you a lot quicker. And you don't want the, per- the demon character to find you. You know, ideally, you want to be able to get all pieces of the map and be working on the checkpoints, the uh, hold and defend points before the demon player even knows where you're at. Because that keeps them from leveling up and getting too powerful too quick and gives you a bigger advantage going into the end game. So like, I'm like, I start the match off. And I'm like, hey, don't get in the car. He's going to find you. He'll find where we're at. What happens 10 seconds later? Yeah. That dude is dead. And I, and you know, and I, and I went and raised him. I said, okay, stay out of the cars until, you know, if we don't have hit the, the player character on us, stay away from the car. He can't find us. And I, I don't, I'm not chatting. I'm being nice. Maybe he didn't know. Does it again. I'm like, and that, so I just let him die and I just ran away from him. I'm like, you know, yeah. you're fucked. I'm like, no, look, I told you twice. Like, this is not a solo be a badass game. Mm-hmm. And, but it, it, it has moments of that. You know, there have been moments where my team is like, they're all in the red. Every, all three of them, all of them are melee in the boss, and the boss is, you know, they're not, it's, they're, they're, they're wearing down. I run in, drop a heel, heal them all the full, and we take that, you know, save, I save the day. There are times where I'm about to die, and all of a sudden a shotgun bolt takes out the guy that was about to kill me. Save the day. Kept the healer up, kept the support up, you know. Hmm. Uh, it's a type of game that I love, but uh, like I was telling Ben, like because he said he doesn't like those four versus one type games, you're not going to like it. There's not enough single player content there to warrant a purchase just for single player. They do have it to where you can play it by your AI with bots, but you don't level up or anything on that, which is I think is wrong. Learn, I think right. Yeah, I mean it's a good way to learn, but learn I mean honestly, map, you should learn. be able to level up too. Oh yeah. You only get experience when you play online, which I think is. You know, I think you know, reduce it in single player off offline. You know, it's one of those games that where when you put exploited, text, I guess. Which I mean, there's you get, honestly, you can be a level twenty five and you're still going to get killed pretty easy. It doesn't make, mm. you know, I mean, it's. I mean, you I mean, you're going to fly through the early bit of the matches, but any good demon player, that's not going to matter because they're leveling up too. Yeah, <laughs> and this is the type of game to where. Uh, over time, the, the more that it, the, the longer that you wait to play it, the entry level of playing online is going to get like the disparity is going to get ex- more extreme. Because, you know, I'm going to play this for a good long time until another game comes out and scratches that itch. And they already have like, you know, they already have the season pass. So there's going to be at least four DLC drops. So I'm only playing this a long time. 
But, you know, if you're thinking about it and you and, you know, if you like the 4v1 game mode, this game's for you. If you're an Evil Dead fan, it's only 40 bucks. You know, have fun with the single player, play the online, I mean, the offline bots. Excuse me. However, it is one of those online games, which is really, they, they need to patch that to where, like, when you push X to start the game, it's like, you know, checking online connection. Yeah. Which is, you, you know, that should not be the case. In my opinion, if you have an offline mode, it, you should be able to access that without having to be gate kept by, uh, you know, could not connect to the server, you know, and, you're, and you're, you can't even play the single player if you can't, if you can't connect to the server. That needs to be patched out. But again, the game just came out and developers said they're listening to player feedback and all that. So honestly, I expect them to add checkpoints in single player. I expect them to add the offline stuff, not have to have a check before you get into the game. So again, uh, that's my expectation. Reality's <laughs> always different. But if you like, bottom line, if you're a fan of Evil Dead and you and you, the gameplay, the mode that I'm telling you that the game is appeals to you, 110%. It's gorgeous. It's great. I love it. Zone of the Ender on PlayStation, uh, all one word. Uh, add me. I will gladly be a support for your team. Uh, and just, yeah, I don't know if you play Friday the 13th. I mean, so, you know, again, it's this game type of gameplay is very specific. I think, you know, like our group of friends would not play this game. You know, as a whole, like you know, our. I think it'd be awesome if we get four people that we all know together. Oh, at, oh, one hundred percent. I mean, even if but, they don't like the game, just us being together doing this activity would be really cool. Yes, yeah, I mean, count, count me in for that if we could find the other people. Well, I know um, John uh, with you know now versus you know you know John from yeah. Lafayette now, uh, but now versus nostalgia Cajun tour review. He mentioned on his uh, YouTube channel that he's getting it. So there's nice. two. Uh, but yeah, this is the type of game that, especially like if, you know, I'm sitting there, I'm not even playing as Ash, but I'm, I'm just, I'm quoting the movie consistently. Yeah. It's so much fun. If you like the series, you know, every time I shoot a dead eye in the head, it's like, bye bye. You know, yeah. Swallow this, you know, you're just, it's, it's so, this is, if you like evil dead, this game is for you. It's so much, it is so much fun. And it's cross play. Uh, so I'd, I'd be on PC. Yeah, absolutely. PC. Uh, you have to come up with like a chat system for it. That's about it. Yeah, I guess Discord on your phone or something even or I mean, uh, uh computer connects well, to well, Xbox you know what? but not not PlayStation. Oh, see, when, you know what? I want to pay attention next time I play because uh it shows like oh, you see on your screen there you see the mouse for lap of her PC mm-hmm. uh Xbox I mean uh Xbox this dude must be playing on Xbox cuz on PlayStation you see the PlayStation logo and then if they're on Xbox I think you see just a controller. Mm. Uh, but I hear, you know, I, have to, I need to pay attention to the people on the other platforms are chatting. That might be why a lot of people well, don't hear a lot of chat because I'm on PlayStation and maybe it's only the PlayStation people uh, chatting. I'll have to pay attention to that. Well, if it's, if it's in game, it's probably everyone chatting. They just don't talk. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I imagine because it, se- it seems like, you know, if I matches where everybody talks. So I like so. Discord because if, you know, something happens in the game, you still got Discord up and you can still talk. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, it looks incredible. Like the graphics are it's, it, insane. It's gorgeous. Like you have snow, snow effects, rain effects. You're covered in blood. It's just like in the movies when you're destroying, you know, blow, you know, finishing off deadites. It is an amazing, like truly, like they, 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 the developers saw that Friday the Thirteenth was a good game. It, it just, you know, was made as cheaply as possible. Got be a Kickstarter, you know. And I think the game, you know, their the ambition got out of the at a hand, so to speak, for what they could, what Gun Media could do, or uh, I think it was Gun, I think it was Gelfonic or Gun, one of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the games, they, 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 they learned the lessons from it. They got a license that's not in any kind of litigation that, I mean, 
What killed Friday the 13th, the game, was the lawsuit to where they couldn't put out any more content for it. And they were pumping out content all over the place for that game. New maps, new Jasons, new outfit packs, all that kind of stuff. Evil Dead license is not in question. Yeah. And there's a new movie coming out this year. So there's yeah. going to be, they, you know, this game could go on for a good long time. You know, I don't care. You know, once they get all the characters, that's fine. Give me uh, Darkman. You know, that's the Sam Raimi property. Uh, you know, give me Halloween costumes for the characters. Give me Santa Claus hats. I don't care. I'll fucking get it because the game is so much fun. But uh, we got to end this episode because I'm melting, melting. <laughs> yeah, I think we hit the two-hour uh, mark too. So, Oh, shit. No no wonder. But uh, <laughs> I did, we did get some – uh, our good friend uh, Thomas Strickland emailed us again. Uh, Thomas, I'll get you next week when my voice isn't going out and we're kind of – against the wire here for, for how yeah, far so I can go in next week for that your email, Thomas, uh, email eighties revisited at gmail.com on Facebook, eighties revisited podcast on Instagram, eight zero S underscore revisited. Check out our friends. I mentioned them earlier, John with Cajun toy review on YouTube and check out uh, Tasmanian championship wrestling with our good friend, Ben doom slayer, Wyatt over there, uh, leave us review. And if it's a bad review, tell us why. And please, don't give a review about my voice. <laughs> be, I got antibiotics. I got to start at supper time. Should be clear next week. Uh, and next week's episode, like I mentioned, uh, a film. I've heard this film mentioned many times on other podcasts, uh, but I've never seen it. I've heard it's really good. It's called Streets of Fire. Uh, I'm not going to say anything about it. I know a little bit about it. I'm not going to say anything about it. I'm sure a lot of people probably haven't seen it. Uh, it seems like one of those kind of like gems from the 80s that a lot of people haven't seen. But I've heard nothing but great things about it. It's uh, got Willem Dafoe, uh, Mrs. Joss Brolin, what's her name? Diane Lane, uh, Michael Park, Amy Madigan, who was in this episode. Rick Moranis is in it. So mm-hmm. there you go. But uh, it's Bill available. Paxton. It's not streaming any. It's not. Oh, well, oh, Paxton. Hell yeah. He, he just had a birthday recently, I think. Or uh, no, I think he, his anniversary of his death was like earlier this week. Anyway. Streets of Fire is a movie for next week. I'm excited. I haven't seen it. It's a highly regarded film. Interesting uh, to see what I think about it, you know, to watch it for the first time. Uh, but it's not streaming free anywhere, but it is available for rent on Apple, Amazon, and YouTube. Mm. So we will check it out next week here on 80s Revisited as we are done with baseball. <laughs> so until next week, everybody, hopefully this one went, I will uh, still be. Extra innings. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, <laughs> can't handle it. Done with baseball. We've we've done the the two best baseball films of the eighties. So uh, unless you know people give me some money on it, it they give us some money on uh, Patreon or something. <laughs> I don't know. You know. Then I'll do another baseball movie. But we're done with baseball. No one's paying for that. So yeah, I wouldn't either. <laughs> Thank you. I wouldn't accept it. Not take your money back. Unless Elon, our good friend Elon, Elon, a million dollars, we'll do a, another baseball movie. But uh, anyway, everybody, stay safe. And if, again, if you get a cold, I've had this cold for two weeks, uh, go to the doctor. <laughs> uh, just go. Because uh, I told the doctor, I told the doctor, I, I, uh, this is the first cold I've had that's persisted this long. So I normally take Dayquil and it's, it's over. And I thought I was getting better and uh, it's just not going on. She's like, oh, no problem. Here's some antibiotics. Thank you very much. Anyway, so hopefully next week, everything will be back to normal for me. Everybody out there, stay safe. And until then, I hopefully will remain Trey Harris. Yes, he said to leave. Game over. That's not a baseball reference, but the game's over. (laughs) 